0: Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys.
1: This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And today we are covering one of the biggest games, at least within the 2000s, one of the most legendary games within Halo itself, Halo 3. Oh, yeah. Now, we've been
0: preparing for this for, what, two or three months like we did with Halo 2, if not longer. I'd say so. I I know we've been putting a lot into this, as opposed to things like the books and comics and TV shows, things like that, that we'll be covering and have covered. Mm -hmm. The games are the center point of the studio. Games are the center point of the podcast. So we really want to deep dive into what it took to create it, who was involved, and just so many more minute details we've been able to research, we've been able to pull from some sources. Yeah. And just give you guys a really cool overall episode related to the game itself.
2: Yeah, well we even had one or two people chime in in Discord and tell me things that I didn't even know that we've thrown in here that we'll we'll talk about. And honestly, I'm I'm more excited about doing this episode and the research we did for this one than we were for Halo 2. And I think we started research for Halo 3 actually shortly after we did for Halo 2 because I think the impact that it had at the time, you know, the second people were seeing trailers for it in 2006, it really was a cultural phenomenon. Like, even if you didn't care about Halo, you cared about Halo 3.
0: Well, they put so much into marketing that year too, which we'll we'll touch on, and had professional, really professional ads put out that were almost mini movies mm-hmm. in a way that really pushed an impact and to push an impact on who Chief was mm-hmm. and what really drew people into the universe itself because this is where we're now defending Earth. Yeah,
2: it's 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 really kind of giving us what Halo 2 was promising, which was more of seeing what's happening on Earth. And and as I said, it was hard not to pay attention with the marketing and the hype, not only because everyone had at least three or four friends that were psyched about it and making you watch the trailers. And I'm really thinking that we're going to kind of get this kind of hype whenever it comes this time next year with Infinite. I really think so.
0: Yeah, because that's the hope, because you've had, what, five or six years, basically, of an audience building Mm -hmm. up to this point. So everyone, you've you've kind of sunk your... Claws into from Halo 1, the Microsoft claws, the Micro claws, as some might say, or Tiny Santa. <laughs> and, and you have them continue on through Halo 2, where you pull in new mm-hmm. fans, and they continue on to 3, where people who grew up with it, whether they were in college, high school, grade school, are yeah. now kind of up to the next thing and can af- either afford it or pulling more people into it. So it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we go any
2: further, we're going to cover the updates that's been going on within the past two weeks within Halo itself. And I think the biggest one that everyone's been kind of freaking out about, but I don't really think they should, is that 343 lost Infinite's creative director. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people were thinking this is going to mean, you know, whatever direction that the game is going to be or whatever height it's at right now is going to kind of lower. But at the end of the day, like you have to realize that this game has high hundreds of hands in there there's hundreds of cooks in the kitchen right now yeah it's one person's direction like he it's not the end-all be-all like he's not gonna say this is what we're doing it's a lot of ideas going to him giving suggestions or
0: his write-off or you know his seal of approval you have this with a lot of different formats of media whether it be a movie Mm -hmm. and you lose either a producer or director or things like that because of either creative differences ideas just aren't meshing mm-hmm. i mean the same thing i think just happened within the day or two that over at bioware dragon age 4 just lost their creative director yeah but in a note he said he's leaving for personal projects and he says the game is on to go so is it something to freak out about not necessarily i mean it is tough news to get when trying to hype it up and we're coming off of four or five and infinite as a lot of people are saying it's like the third strike yeah you know if they don't hit it on this they're out
2: yes i I don't think it's infinite is not one person's vision and it and it won't be so i think we're fine. you got to look at it even as like an agency like if a marketing agency loses a creative director It's not like this guy isn't running the agency. His vision isn't going across the whole thing. So don't lose hope. This this really isn't going to change much for the game, especially if they're this far into development. Like, it's fine.
0: It'll be fine. Uh, I think another one of our big portions of news is Ninja leaving Twitch and coming to Mixer. For those of you who are not familiar with it, Mixer is Microsoft's platform for streaming. Mm -hmm. So it's Twitch under Microsoft, basically. It's huge news because, one, you're having Twitch's number one streamer, switch you know jumping ship for x amount of dollars um Um, lots lots let's go seven eight figures and bringing people to that platform ninja was an og halo player Mm -hmm. um who obviously with most streamers you shift your games to your audience base but that's probably the hope we saw in some twitter photos that he's had some meetings with 343 yeah he was at 343 recently and so that's more than likely, the shift that we're seeing is is pushing for that marketing mm-hmm. of Infinite. Yeah, that, abso- absolutely. It's, it's what it is. I mean, if anyone thinks otherwise, that's what they're doing. They spent a huge marketing budget and it, mm-hmm. it, towards that. And we'll see what's to come. I know there's love and hate on both sides for Ninja, yeah. whether it's garnered or not. I see it as a positive, even if I hated the streamer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, one, you're bringing people to Mixer, which is great for Microsoft's brand. But, two, you're bringing people to Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. So yep. we'll we'll see how that goes. I think
2: kind of what we talked about with the marketing of Halo 3. Mm-hmm. Here's the face of streaming who's now going to be saying, hey, play this game. Check
0: out, check out my Halo Infinite stream. And we're in the age of... I mean, if any of you watch streams or have seen any stuff like that, you know that streaming is one of the number one launch marketing efforts. I mean, look at Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. There was it was the game was announced the same day it was released. It had no marketing except for getting people like Ninja, Shroud, you know, all your kind of top streamers and paying them X amount to play this game because. Mm-hmm. I mean, that put it ahead of Fortnite. That put it ahead of everything for a couple weeks Yeah. Um. up until the devs, you know, kind of neglected everything. But that's, that's you know, a different story. But Different so, episode. Yeah, that just shows you that, I mean, marketing, this is the new age of marketing for gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it works well, as we've seen. Some other
2: news, and I think this is kind of cool. We all were really excited about this, is that there's kind of a crossover between Gears of War and Halo.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we have Cat and Emil coming over to the uh, Forge, and I think it's the Escape mode in Gears of War and you have these uh, skins that you can use and there's even a little bit of lore behind it on the cannon fodder go check that out on uh, Halo Waypoint but I think it's really really cool and I think people are hoping that we're going to see the same with Infinite Mm -hmm. we're going to see some gear skins kind of come over for maybe that hopeful return of Firefight
0: you never know though which would be cool I mean it's smart on Microsoft's terms to kind of cross their IPs now mm-hmm. in a way that these two games are probably the closest that you can get because you're not like, well, I guess Forza did something with Lego. The, the, well, and and uh, the Warthog. And the Warthog. And mm-hmm. you, you had those things with that. The Halo and Gears kind of mixed with Minecraft. So they're trying mm-hmm. to like make sense to push their IPs all over and try and do that Nintendo you know, that Nintendo effect of just basically yeah, throw yeah. everyone to everyone else's game. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, people are OK with that. I
2: also like it's it just it's seeing them as, you know, just high def. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And so on to kind of some more sadder news. Uh, the Halo app for Windows 10 is being shut down. There's so much going on with Infinite and M- MCC coming to PC and Reach coming to Xbox or the, the Xbox MCC, that some support is being shut down for some other projects, one of those being the Halo app for Windows 10 and support is being shut down for Halo Wars 2, mm-hmm. which I know I've actually seen a lot of people going through some some uh, forums and whatnot. A lot of people are actually pretty upset by this, and I didn't realize because I haven't really looked that far into like the multiplayer uh, community within Halo Wars 2, or I didn't even know it was received as well as it was.
0: And I think... That boils down to when you have a more niche community mm-hmm. like that, it's dedicated fans. Yeah. And it's it's kind of the Starcrafters of Halo who want to play that game, who understand it, who play the multiplayer, who, you know, need those balance and updates for it. And when you don't have those things, obviously the game starts to suffer and, and mm-hmm. your player base starts to dwindle and you may just kind of have your core group that stays. Mm-hmm. So does it suck? Yes. Will those resources be allocated elsewhere for the betterment of the community? Yeah. Maybe. That's the hope. And it's not even ruled out that it's done entirely.
2: But as of right now, like, all hands on deck when it comes to MCC and PC, and we have that kind of delay with Reach coming to Xbox One. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, at the end of the day, look at it. It it could be revisited again. I, I I don't think so personally, but that doesn't mean that it's not impossible. Precisely. So let's move on now to the episode at hand, the topic that we have been anxious to do for months now, Halo 3. Halo 3 is the final game in the first sci-fi military first-person shooter trilogy from game developer Bungie Studios. It was released in the U.S. September 25th, 2007, in the U.K. September 26th, 2007, and in Japan September 27th, 2007. Halo 3 has been described as one of the greatest games of all time in the Halo franchise
0: to date, and I can agree with that. It is. It's, it's one where they took both from CE and 2, mm-hmm. and pretty much took the best and some of my favorite things from both of them, and brought it into a game that not only pushed the story and pushed the campaign, but really, really focused on multiplayer. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And as, as we talked about before, with the hype and everyone wanting to finish this fight, I think it it everyone needed it. I think if that game would have been delayed for another two hours, there would have been riots, not literally, but I mean it just to the fact that people wanted that game so bad, they needed that game,
0: yeah, those two hours would have really made <laughs> what have really made a difference. <laughs> It was it was a uh, figurative. To start this off, uh, I want to take it back just a little bit. I know we just pushed you in. We're going to mm-hmm. take it back just a little bit. Want to Pump- start off and uh, we're, we're pumping the brakes. Is that what we're pumping the, Pump the brakes? Pumping the brakes. Pumping the brakes. Choo choo, pull that brake. Yep. We're going to talk about the Xbox three hundred and sixty because this is the first Halo title on the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that came out in two thousand five. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and initially, you'll learn a little bit later. It was planned to be for the 360 launch title, and then everyone was just like, that's a terrible idea. Let's not do that.
0: Well, when you, yeah, when you put a time gate on something, and people are like, no, we need more time. You're like, no, we're pushing it out there. It mm-hmm. obviously suffers. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, the Halo, so Halo 3 would be the first game in the franchise to be on the 360, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, second generation of Xbox, you know, because you go from Xbox to 360, you know, because the obvious trend is going from Xbox to Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, after that, you know, in the future, Xbox One. Yeah. So you go, no number, 360, one. I get what they're going for. You know, it's like all in one box, 360. That's what they're going for. And so it was released November 22nd, 2005, and has sold, to date, over 80 million units worldwide. I'd say that's impressive. It is. It, it is one of the best-selling consoles of all time. Mm-hmm. In modern days, I believe, in modern consoles, let's say PlayStation 2 and above, mm-hmm. PlayStation 2 is, a, is above that. But the 360 is doing super well, along with actually the Switch now.
2: Yeah. What are some things that really stood out for the Xbox 360 that set it apart from the Xbox? It's, you know, we've had five or six or seven years to differentiate themselves. So, like, what's new?
0: Well, you're now in the age of not really needing memory cards. Mm -hmm. And you're in the age of actually having to have hard drive space. Games are getting bigger with Xbox Live and things like that. You're soon to get downloadable games and Mm -hmm. the arcade. So you have hard drives that can be swapped out. So, it's actually detachable uh, exterior hard drive. If you guys remember those, kind of the bricky hard drive, I think Mm -hmm. on the left side, you can actually swap those out. And they were 20, 60, 120, and 250 gig. So, and that still seems tiny to today's comparison.
2: Yeah. Well, even like, you know, later on, you got up to 500 gigabytes with like the Model S. Which now, like, I, for my one, I just picked up a two terabyte hard drive. Yeah. uh, And even then, like, you can get bigger. So, it's like crazy to think like that's nothing.
0: Oh, I- exactly. You have upgrades all around because you're going from a 40p system up to a 1080 system with this uh, 720 to start because it comes with your composite cables that red, green, blue, yep. and then of your audio. and then eventually as more you know HD TVs at the time would come in, you had that HDMI mm-hmm. slot that people don't understand. <laughs> um, to, to eventually give you that 1080i, 1080p resolution going on mm-hmm. for you.
2: Yeah, well, that was a crazy thing for me is whenever I got my 360 and I like someone gave me an HDMI cable, I was like, what am I going to do with this? Because I also got my first flat screen, and they were like, oh, you can use that. I, I didn't know, so I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. So, like, these improvements even with the graphics and then, you know, these graphics depending on what kind of cable you have or what kind of TV you have, can look even more spectacular.
0: Yeah, it made a change. If, if you weren't into, you know, the, like the AV stuff of it and didn't understand it, mm-hmm. because at the time it was just, it produced a picture. Yeah. And so this is kind of the age where we're really seeing that change in resolution that can be put onto a disc and like the upgrade downgrade of it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite things to come out of the 360 is hands down the best gaming controller of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. To
2: this day, I occasionally hold, like, a PlayStation controller, and it's just odd because of the joystick placement and whatnot. And how many companies have imitated that now? I know Nintendo has their own version. I think even PlayStation, or at least, you know, Mad cats has one for PlayStation. You can't really escape it. Like, that, that became the new standard.
0: Yeah, the, the, there's... For me, the perfect ergonomic feel, because you had the OG Xbox controller, that mm-hmm. big fat one that was one of the dumbest things that's ever come out, <laughs> and then they improved it with like the new updated controller for it, and then mm-hmm. with the 360, they perfected it. Yeah. I mean, right now for PC gaming, if I need to use a controller, I still have my original white corded mm-hmm. Xbox 360 controller well, for it. That's
2: probably like a little tan or gray now, and the, the thumb pads are, all rubbed are worn off, down, much. yeah. Yeah, but still use it. Every, everyone's got one of those controllers. Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing that pushed later in the life of the 360 uh, was the Kinect. Mm-hmm. So you had the Kinect and PlayStation had the move. And it was really the first time outside of the Wii, which had motion control through the, the joystick mm-hmm. and through the nunchuck compatibility of it, was the Kinect, which yeah. didn't require a controller. Yep. It used an AR camera to kind of position you in the space you were in. Yeah. Um, and you could see it on various games when it's mm-hmm. kind of tracking these white like, pixely shape of you. Yeah. That performed okay. It
2: was uh, interesting. I will say, that Connect, my buddy got it, was fun for, like, a week. Yeah. It was, it, it was definitely, like, Microsoft's answer to the Wii. hmm It was just
0: basically, like, well, they're doing this. Let's try this, too. And it's the first stepping stones to the VR and AR that we're having of today. Mm-hmm. So it, it needed to be done. But, I mean, there were so many games that had gimmicks in it that was, like, you could talk to the Connect, You mm-hmm. could do this. We saw that with uh, the anniversary of Combat Evolved. Mm-hmm. You had all those aspects of it, and mm-hmm. and it did all right. All right, I think, is a pretty good term. It did, and like they tried to push it for the one when it came out, and it's still a gimmicky thing. There were games that worked well with it. There mm-hmm. were games that—I remember there was this uh, fighting game that came out with it that was kind of like a street brawler. It was so dumb. it did not track you you had to punch like the right speed to pick mm-hmm. you up even though like you'd think you'd punch it in like a normal clip that you'd punch at yeah No, you had to kind of slow it down but it couldn't be too slow so <laughs> I digress touch touch and
2: go yeah but not literally yeah so we also had a handful of versions of this come out we had the standard we had the slim and we had the s the the uh,
0: slim was my first
2: one so I kind of hold that. Near and dear to my heart.
0: I skipped that one. (laughs) I had an OG one until I got the Red Ring of Death, Mm -hmm. and then I ended up going with an S, like the the black version of it. Yeah, that was kind of like the more economic one. Mm -hmm. It's it's the system where they figured out all the bugs pretty much. They stripped Mm -hmm. out what's not needed, put in what they had to, beefed up the hard drive, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, that
2: was give you a little bit of a buffer as to what we would expect whenever we put Halo 3 in your nice white or maybe black elite Xbox 360 for the first time.
0: And as we start our talks on the befores, afters and what's going on with Halo 3, we want to give a huge shout out to a couple former Bungie employees Mm -hmm. who we were able to talk to and get a lot of this info that for us we couldn't find anywhere.
2: Yeah, so shout out to Dan Miller and Eric Arroyo.
0: Yeah, so so Dan was an artist on Halo 3, mm-hmm. and then Eric Arroyo was the lead artist who worked on Halo 1, 2, and 3 mm-hmm. and who would contribute a huge amount to the game that you wouldn't even know. Yeah, he, he, to, he told us a lot of things that we didn't even know. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, go check him out. It's awesome. I mean, he's the man behind Master Chief. He's the mm-hmm. man behind Cortana. The Marines, anything that you're seeing, he mm-hmm. pretty much took care of. Well, something interesting
2: that he told us, and I've tried to do some research on and can't find anything, is he He was talking to us about the warthog. And he said, every barcode I put on there has a meaning. So I went to look into this, and there's, there's no article or anything that says, you know, these are the meanings behind the barcodes on the warthog. So... We're going to look into that here very soon because I'm very curious as to, like, what they mean. And I, I don't want to just outright ask him. I
0: want to discover this. Well, exactly, because if it hasn't been discovered yet and we're getting these details, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're putting it on Jesse's checklist. If you haven't known before, he's also translating everything that was yep. an uprising. Yep. So we're just adding it to his checklist. Maybe. We will. <laughs> and these these other cool details that we're going to really explore through this telling of what happened, you know, Post-Halo 2 into Halo mm-hmm. 3, you know, right from the mouths of the people who've worked on it. Yeah,
2: exactly. hmm So now let's talk about Bungie after Halo 2. The morale at Bungie Studios was at an all-time low, as stated in the Halo 2 episode— Some were unsure if Bungie could stay together much longer, though Bungie truly felt that they owed it to their fans to give them the best product ever, and thus they set their sights on Halo 3, hoping to make it the last Halo game and move on to something else. The concept of Halo 3 was around actually during Halo 2's development Mm -hmm. because there was a point in time they're like... Well, we got to We have to do this cliffhanger. So clearly we're going to have to. So it started conceptualizing around then. And even after the success of Halo 2, Microsoft was more than willing to, quote, throw buckets of money at Bungie for Halo 3. Shortly after the release of Halo 2, Jason Jones disappeared after it shipped. He told Martin O'Donnell that Halo 2 had almost driven him to the point of suicide, and he took off. He wasn't sure at that point if he ever wanted to develop another video game.
0: Yeah, because it took so much out of him, because like we talked about, like you guys can see in different vids and stuff about it, it was such a cluster trying to get that game shipped, get it out. Mm -hmm. It was unfinished. You know, it was a product that, I mean, a lot of people admitted to, like, it wasn't done. No, we, we just had to run around like, you know, like chickens with their head off, like mm-hmm. trying to get this out for Microsoft. Yeah, it was 60% done mm-hmm.
2: at most, you know. Though during Halo 3's development, Jason would return to the studio and start working on his new project, Destiny.
0: And with Jones leaving, it was unclear who would take the lead on Halo 3. Though Jason told Max Hoberman, who was the lead multiplayer designer, mm-hmm. that him and the studio manager Pete Parsons should take the lead.
2: Yeah, though this this wouldn't be the case. Uh, Hoberman stating that this is the first time he would see politics at Bungie and everyone was still kind of unclear who the leader should be. They were having these meetings of like we need kind of a head for this because people were kind of worried that without Jason there, like how are we going to do Halo? Even though like Halo kind of the concepts and ideas are coming from one guy, but it's still, as we said earlier, a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen.
0: Well, like. and, and with our with our interview with Eric, I mean, he even mm-hmm. talked about just what the politics were like there mm-hmm. and that no one really took lead and it was just kind of bouncing around the studio mm-hmm. and it was it was just kind of a mess leading yeah. up to this.
2: Yeah, and it, it finally did come together eventually, but it was just kind of like – it's kind of the equivalent of how I would say like you, stat, you just take a box of Legos and you throw all the pieces on the ground and you really hope that some pieces kind of come together – You don't really have the instructions, but you still kind of make something and then you go off from there. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what happened. But a lot of veteran employees at Bungie were ready to move on from Halo. They they were sick of it because it was originally supposed to be one game. Then it was like, okay, two and we're done. They also felt that, you know, as I said, without Jones, like, how are we going to do another Halo game? Now, uh, Martin O'Donnell said that the start of Halo 3 was clumsy since they had no clear direction or no clear leader. It didn't help that Bungie, after two games, was still not easy to work with when it came to Microsoft asking questions or trying to help. Bungie was also upset with what little money they had received from Halo 2, and, and they wanted to negotiate with Microsoft about more profit share. Because after the success of Halo 2, Martin O'Donnell said that they kind of got their profit share check from Microsoft, and Bungie was kind of pissed about it because... They said, you know, for that game being the biggest game of all time, then it was pretty low.
0: Well, and the thing was, too, is that after Halo 1, after this huge success of it, mm-hmm. I mean, they were just given basically an unlimited budget to do, too.
2: Yeah. They and, just said, you just have this
0: time. Yeah. You said this time, do it. And, and so even within that chaos and, you know, given a, a somewhat half-delivered game, they still put it out, but like you said, they didn't receive the money back in their own pockets.
2: Yeah, like after the initial, like, what the salary was making, like as a whole for the studio, that profit share was just too low for their standards. I, I tried to look up the, the number. I couldn't find it, but, you know, for for I'm assuming they kind of wanted more compensation for just the amount of shit they went to, through for the two or three years making that game.
0: And like you said, though, but coming out with also one of the best-selling games of all time, mm-hmm. and at that time it was. Yeah, and, and it made the Xbox, you know,
2: you know, both of those made the Xbox. They made Xbox Live. Like, they should have gotten their dues, for sure.
0: Precisely.
2: Now, this eventually led to Bungie deciding that they wanted more control of their own studio again. In fact, they just, they wanted Bungie back. They they no longer wanted to be owned by Microsoft. They just wanted to do their own thing. So they they approached Microsoft and they said, listen. We'll give you Halo 3, give us our freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. This kind of actually led, though, to Microsoft saying, okay, listen, we will give you enough money, so you put out three, but you also have to put out this two more games, one of them being Halo 4 and one of them being the unnamed Peter Jackson game. Uh, Which we're going to talk about that a little more within this episode, but we will have a whole episode dedicated to canceled games and projects where Mm -hmm. we'll really dive into that. But that kind of going on minorly affected some things, but overall it, it wasn't the biggest issue. Now, even by the end of all these talks and as they were getting ready to do Halo 3, just want to put it out there, still no clear leader. Still no one person that was making all the the calls for this game. So let's move on now to developing Halo 3.
0: Yeah, so Halo 3 went through a full year of pre-production and concepts before development even started. And during pre-pro, Joe Staten spent time on an extended sabbatical, eventually working on Halo 3 outside of the office due to an argument he had with another unnamed employee. He would eventually start acting as the franchise guy for Halo, being a part of the Halo MMO, Halo Wars, and the movie projects they had working on.
2: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that MMO and Wars were being worked on kind of the same time, along with the Halo movie and the, the Peter Jackson game. But, again, that will be a whole very fun episode.
0: Yeah, because at, at this point, uh, Bungie was growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, from, you know, a couple kind of frat guys on mm-hmm. CE uh, to a number more employees to, I, I think we were talking with the rails, like 500-something
2: Yeah, I think three at the time. But, you know, it just got bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah, it kept growing.
2: And even more importantly, Halo was getting bigger. So, you know, they're looking to Ensemble Studios and Peter Jackson uh, Wing Interactive to come in and say, let's be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Or more so Microsoft saying... Be a part of this. Yes. Yeah. So with Joe busy with other projects at the time, a writing committee was brought in on Halo 3's story. Though at first Bungie leads and board members loved the first draft that these guys presented them, Martin O'Donnell actually hated it, claiming that it left out several uh, important side characters. And it was actually Martin O'Donnell's idea to have Lord Hood come back along with Miranda Keys, but to also have Miranda killed and then Sergeant Avery Johnson killed by 343 Guilty Spark. And I, I, this is awesome because he got this idea from watching Serenity, which have you ever seen Serenity? I have not. Great movie. It's the only thing I've seen within the, the, the Firefly universe, mm-hmm. but I remember watching that with my dad. I knew nothing of Firefly and I loved it. So, you know, with these kind of ideas that he got, he went to each member of the writing team and told them his ideas like, OK, listen, this is what we should do, you know, and, and instead of kind of what you guys have like. Let's do this. And so after all of them, you know, loved his idea, they were officially brought on to write Halo 3. And even that Joe Staten was also a part of Halo 3 about halfway through the development, though he wasn't the lead writer anymore or, you know, the the cinematic director. Mm-hmm. He still had his hand in editing some of the scripts and everything that was going on. But overall, it was, it was out of his hands. This would lead to Bungie working with Hollywood screenwriter Peter O'Brien. O'Donnell also helped write dialogue for the game, too. So we have the, the guy who's not only making these legendary soundtracks, but he came in and he's, he's mentioned it multiple times that he's very proud of being able to work on the dialogue.
0: Well, and yeah, being able to work on this. For him, it was such a dedicated project. Mm-hmm. Like, he had to do it, you know, his way going with it, and that allowed him to branch off and be so much more integral into the whole workings of Halo itself. Like, it was, it yeah. was his lifeblood at that time. yeah. And so, Staten was glad to see that Halo 3 would end how Halo 2 is originally supposed to end because they had written those endings for it and nothing really culminated, so they had mm-hmm. to kind of just throw that cliffhanger into it to yeah. kind of lead it out. Yeah, because if you haven't listened to our Halo 2 episode, which you should, basically, Halo 3, for the
2: most part, ended how... Halo 2 was going to end. Yeah. They really didn't change that much if you look at like a broad stroke of how the story was supposed to end.
0: Yeah. And one of the biggest things though, and I know Staten fought with this, was that still upset that Johnson was killed. Mm-hmm. He he hated it. Yeah. Because you have such like an integral character that I would say, I mean, died in a heroic way, mm-hmm. but still such a cool character that did help drive Mhm the rest of the
2: story not even in the games but in the books too mm-hmm. yeah and so he he was also glad to see that like halo 3 really had nothing to do with diving into who the chief was like we had halo combat evolved and halo 2 and all these books to learn more about chief like doesn't matter about that anymore it's now about the story of the game itself and he's glad
0: yeah and it's about such a cool linear in a way story mm-hmm. that has so many roundabouts about basically trying to get cortana back and mm-hmm. But I think it's told in a really awesome way that yeah. makes, the, makes the player not feel like they're just on this weird side quest that's like rescue the princess type thing.
2: Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind, and then it kind of leads to that because they they didn't want this game to be about let's go find Cortana. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be kind of kind of like a side thought almost, and that's why they kind of had you know her reminding you that she existed. Yeah, you mean they didn't want a Halo Five. <laughs> So a year into development, Paul Pertone, who was a designer and kind of turned into a producer into development, took some time off from Halo 3 to contemplate if he even wanted to do it anymore. Six months later, though, Paul would return as a mission lead for Halo 3. One of the
0: huge focuses that they really pushed for Halo 3 Mm -hmm. was vehicles and equipment, both for the player and how AIs used it.
2: Yeah, that was kind of like a really integral part of it.
0: Yeah, because so not only are we introducing, like we have with most Halos, newer vehicles, new weapons, we're introducing equipment in this one, mm-hmm. which, as you guys know, is like grav lift, bubble shield, the healing thingy. The healing you know, thingy, as, as they call
2: it. Uh, the killing thingy that drains your
0: shields. The trippy thingy. Yeah. You know, those the, things. Invincibility. invincy thingy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got all those. Um, so, for the most part, all of these new enemies and vehicles and equipment worked just fine, um, which led them to be implemented really easily into the game
2: yeah because i i forgot who said it but they said you know they 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 had a meeting and they they made a list of everything they wanted to implement and then they realized like we can do that and they were just like oh man we should have just said no to half of these because that means if you know they they green
0: light all these new things now we have to do all these new things yeah Which, which, in hindsight, is great because it led to a smaller amount of content being cut from the game, Mm -hmm. as we, as opposed to we saw in like two and even CE with creatures and like whole different bits of it being cut. Yeah, this allowed them to put what I like to call like like player controlled or player used content Mm -hmm. into the game. Yeah, and don't get us wrong,
2: there is plenty of cut content, but not as much as. There they thought that would be. Now, Bungie also wanted to restore the quote unquote golden tripod. In Halo Combat Evolved, players had three equal ways to kill someone grenades, guns, and melee. This was taken away in Halo 2 with the introduction of dual wielding. For Halo 3, the tripod would be restored, guns would carry less ammo, and melee and grenades would become more powerful. Restoring balanced gameplay would also lead to the creation of equipment, as we talked about. Little things also came from the testing labs, like uh, the aiming reticle only turning red when the enemy is within range, helping the player figure out if they would be wasting ammo, depending on how far away they
0: are. Which is huge in multiplayer. hmm I mean, because obviously weapons can still hit at range. There's decreased damage and obviously decreased accuracy in a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. But that's huge. That's a huge implement of it. However... Uh, going back a little bit, golden tripod is one of the worst terms I've ever heard. I'm taking that straight from Bungie themselves. I know, and it's the worst term I've ever heard. <laughs> it, but it's it's similar to how you'd have uh, weapon triangles mm-hmm. or, or anything that needs to be balanced. Rock, out. paper,
2: scissor. Rock, paper, scissors, Which scissor. was a huge
0: thing we'll talk about in Halo Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, for example, in Fire Emblem. Uh, in the older Fire Emblems, not so much the newer ones, you had a weapon triangle and a magic triangle that was like, you know, Lance would beat sword, sword would beat axe, axe would beat lance. That's kind of what they're talking about because you want to make sure that guns mm-hmm. are balanced with somewhat of the damage and lethality of melee combat and with grenades. And so when you lose that, that's when you have exploits, especially multiplayer-wise, mm-hmm. either staying on specifics or even just in the campaign, just making it feel that those grenades actually did damage. And, yeah. like, the chief's punch from his armor actually does damage to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: also within development there were some outside developers brought in to help with certain aspects here and there. This is something that Eric had told us. And and most of the time it it wasn't helpful at all cuz Eric had said how uh, some outside developers came in to do the faces.
0: Yeah, to work on the faces of the marine specifically mm-hmm. and kind of get those done. And in his own words, he's like they were just terrible, jacked or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he said the only thing, the
2: only one that he he didn't have to redo himself was Johnson. Yeah,
0: Brutes also had to be completely redone since they were the new main foe in Halo Three. Because if you, yeah, because in Halo Two they were thrown in last minute and they weren't interesting at all. They were just kind of like these. No, they were just beasties. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, they were like bullet sponges. They had no like interesting characteristics. No, they were they were they were cannon fodder basically. It felt mm-hmm. like. I mean, it felt like they were obviously a little stronger obviously they could you know charge you and take you out but mm-hmm. there wasn't much to it yeah. so what they had to do was obviously change them up so I, they took on
1: mm-hmm.
0: the idea that for me kind of started in Halo 2 whenever they started taking the guard armor mm-hmm. and Basically took that idea and gave them kind of what the elites would have in the Covenant. Yeah, along with overshields. Exactly. So you've got the overshields, and the overshields, what I loved with Halo 3, when you knew the brute's overshield was out, their armor basically split it off, mm-hmm. yeah, and it c- they were just the naked woolly mammoth that they were. Yeah, and their armor shields never recharged compared to the elites. Yeah, because then they went into kind of that same brute craze that you saw, mm-hmm. where they could charge you down and beat you down. But also still, at times, with the AI prediction maintained, if they still had to shoot, or if they had to go into, like, beast mode.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though they, that, that beast or berserker mode
0: was very watered down, but I don't think anyone was complaining about that. No, I was fine with that, because I think in 2, it became so predictive, and mm-hmm. also it just wasn't as fun with it. Yeah. But with this, one of the real big things that they added in was pack mentality for the brutes, mm-hmm. which I loved, which was slightly different than the AI that was given to whether it be elites grunts, jackals, uh-huh. was that they all kind of stayed together and traveled mm-hmm. together, and they made decisions based on what the player would do, especially in the equipment range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even
2: if one throws a grenade, the rest are going to throw a grenade. If one starts firing at you, the rest are going to fire at you. If if some of them are taking cover, you know, they, they, they work together.
0: Yeah, and, and it made, I think probably for netcode, very interesting mm-hmm. to see, like, if this, then that, like, what one brute would do. You'd have to, like, change the code up with that, mm-hmm. which is cool, but this also... Led us into having brute chieftains.
2: Yes, yeah, they were. You know, whatever they did goes. And I, the brute chieftains are some of my favorite characters within Halo. I they're badass.
0: And I think one of the big things I really enjoyed with it was, like you said before, one of the equipments you get was invincibility. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're running through different levels, and especially the level where you have to turn off the shields. Yeah. Um. To then eventually fly your hornet and take out those scarabs. Yep. Was you'd go to the top and there'd always be that chieftain, whether it be mm-hmm. having and they always usually had like your heavy weapons. So it'd be mm-hmm. either a hammer or it would be the a plasma, plasma turret. turret. Yep. Things like that, and it was just really cool to have that. So some of them had the invincibility mm-hmm. and it would go all sparkling. You're like, well, can't do anything for a bit. Well, I'm uh, going back down this yep. elevator oh, and oh, fucking taking off it back until down. then. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Another cool thing I liked is that the developers had their own room that they would film themselves falling and doing various things
0: to help with animations. And it's funny you say that because most modern games now have a full mocap set Mm -hmm. that's used for all these different character builds and how characters walk and talk Mm -hmm. and do that. And... If you've ever seen any of those trailers where they recreate it, basically in super super lo-fi, like mm-hmm. they have that for the new Devil May Cry, where they basically just do it with like cardboard and have to act it out first to yeah. then film it and then get into mocap, it's really really cool. So it's kind of the predecessor that we're seeing to it mm-hmm. that kind of helped, you know, like you said, the developers and the game designers, like get some accurate motion in.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, another thing I like is since Halo 3 was going to be the newest generation, or, you know, Halo 3 was going to be on the newest generation of Xbox, developers had stated that uh, they had to create the same experience as Halo 2, but it would require four times as much work considering the HD movement in consoles.
0: You had to put some more effort into it. Like, that was the thing was where you couldn't downgrade or push that. Like, you mm-hmm. had now, like we said, going from 480p... To 1080p. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge, huge jump in pixel Mm -hmm. density, in high definition, and it had to look next-gen. Yeah. So Dan Miller had this to say about Halo 3's development. There was a strong focus on a new lighting tech and larger scale encounters in a bigger vehicle sandbox. Basically, we wanted, so Bungie, to level up the scale and visual fidelity while wrapping up the story with iconic elements. And I think they did just that. Yeah, and, and that's what it needed to be. You had to have... That like you know visual pizzazz because mm-hmm. I think with with your your especially three sixty PS two going PS three route visuals became a huge importance and visuals are a huge driver in the console wars today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to
2: think about this is that a lot of Bungie and play empl- or almost all like you know Microsoft employees also had. PS3s, mm-hmm. you know, they they all had those those wees and everything else because they need to see what they're doing, what they need to compete against. Yeah, so I, they're going to play these games on these different consoles and go, okay, let's not do that.
0: Yeah, and and when you see a game that like you're putting together, you know, all of your art package, you're doing it, and then you see this game that's coming out and it's like realistic, you're like, oh, fuck! All right, go back. We got we uh, got yep. to keep pumping it up. We got to keep doing it. And I think they did just that because you, if you go back and play, I guess you can do it on MCC, but if you actually go back and play some OG you know, CE 2 to 3, mm-hmm. you can see the visual upgrade's huge.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, considering, like, uh, I, I hopped on the uh, the OG, my OG Xbox to play Halo 3 for this, and uh, then, like, you know, hopping on later to do it on MCC, even those little differences, like those those enhanced improvements, even, like, a
0: later, later generation on the 1, it's night and day. It is, because you can still push... What were the boundaries of the three sixty on the one? Mm-hmm. So you get that like little little granule nugget of betterness. Yeah, even if it's at one percent. Yeah, someone write that down. It's a great that's a great phrase <laughs> I made up.
2: <laughs> so let's move on to later stages of development for Halo three. Max Hoberman would leave Bungie at the end of two thousand six to start Certain Affinity and sign on with Microsoft, but still continue to help with certain aspects of the Halo franchise. For the quote-unquote Bungie era, they developed the Halo 2 Blastacular map pack along with the Halo Waypoint app. They've, they've done some more stuff for 343, but that's what they've done
0: for the Bungie Halo. Mm-hmm. And with that, we also had Joe Staten, who was originally supposed to have less involvement with Halo 3. Like we said, he really wasn't working on a lot of it. Just kind of mm-hmm. was hands-off. But with the later stages of kind of the all-hands-on-deck, like mm-hmm. shit's about to hit the fan time, like, he jumped in and helped where he could.
2: Yeah. And also, around this time, uh, Bungie gave troops in Iraq a chance to play the Alpha Build of multiplayer for Christmas. So, kind of some smaller, like, marketing and PR things that they're doing.
0: Yeah, and they knew. Like, it's, like, obviously, definitely want to support the troops and do what you can to help with the boredom of, you know, being on base. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's it's kind of like whenever singers go to the troops overseas. Or WWE goes. Uh yeah, wherever WWE goes, they go everywhere now. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it's pulling those things. So it's, it's a good thing wrapped up in a PR message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
2: So also, you know, moving on to more development stuff, map design was different for the campaign for Halo 3. They wanted to make it feel like a little less nonlinear. There's always a primary path, but there's always a secondary path that goes to the same destination.
0: Yeah, because we still have that point A to Z, but you have all of your intertwining paths that can mm-hmm. get you there. Because if you look through a lot of the levels... One big thing that takes you off the beaten path uh, are the terminals mm-hmm. and skulls, and we're going to touch on that on our, kind of our walkthrough with it, our very hashtag detailed ha- walkthrough yeah, hashtag of detailed it. Yeah, detailed walkthrough. Yeah, but there's also various situations where you can either skip some enemies entirely, mm-hmm. you can go through different tunnels, but they'll always lead you to that same end point to push the narrative further.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know like they also wanted it to kind of be this way because some players— were going backwards when they were doing initial testing, like uh, with the with the first mission. That's why you always drop down in those missions because players before that were going back because they were getting lost.
0: Yeah, and you see that in a lot of different mechanics, especially games around this time, mm-hmm. of always having that like point of no return to yeah. make sure that you're not backtracking for no reason. In case mm-hmm. you're like, did I leave something back there? Yeah. Just, am I missing something? So they had that point to keep you going, aka the level Cortana. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because, oh, Cortana.
2: We'll, t- we'll talk about some little tidbits about that here soon. Uh, so around the end of development, Paul Bertone and Joe Staten would start working on the multiplayer maps. Marcus Leto was starting to spearhead Reach, and Jones and Jamie Greismer would start work towards their new project, Destiny. So as soon as 2007, we were seeing Destiny being conceptualized. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you you have them kind of working in secret, kind well, of well, that's on their what Eric own. told us. He said that slowly more and more people were being called to the quote, the seconds, the second floor on the secret project, yeah, On
0: the secret project that he's just kind of pulling people from mm-hmm. and not really understanding what it was. Obviously, it would come out that that's what it was. Yeah. But, yeah,
2: because at this time there's like three or four games being developed within either Halo or Bungie.
0: So it's kind of crazy to to see all this happening. And one of the things we do see from that development is that some of the voice actors that we saw in Halo 2 Mm -hmm. uh, didn't come back for three.
2: Yeah, and that was probably due to just scheduling conflicts or, you know, they signed up for one game and then— Now I have a movie to do, which we can't do.
0: Yeah, and we were talking with Arreo and just asking those questions just to double Mm -hmm. check. And he said, no one turned down the gig just because they didn't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. But like with anything within voice acting or Hollywood, it really depends on scheduling and what projects they're working on. I think that
2: was right around the time for Julie Benz and Dexter,
0: if I'm correct. So... Stuff
2: like that happens because I always thought maybe there was something else going on, but you know, he clarified no,
0: yeah. And, and so we did lose Benz, uh, who voiced Miranda Keys mm-hmm. and she was replaced by Justice Bolding or is it Justice Bolding? We'll go Justice, Justice sounds better. It's justice Bolding, Justice Bolding, and then Robin Atkin Downs, who voiced the Prophet of Truth, in two was replaced by Terrence Stamp, who gave us a nice blood curdling death. I will say, I, can,
2: I only know of him in uh, the Haunted Mansion. Can't name another movie that
0: he's isn't, been isn't in. is it the Eddie Murphy movie? That is. Oh, well, good. <laughs> I mean, it's two great IPs right there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but through the campaign, we would still see many famous actors such as mm-hmm. Ron Perlman, John DiMaggio, Alan Tiedek, Tiedek? Tiedek. Let's Here. go with Tiedic. Alan Tiedek. Adam Baldwin, and Nathan Fillion. Even several members of Rooster Teeth, including Gus Sarola and Jeff Ramsey, I think Gavin Free was in there too, uh, lent their voices to the game. And then Joe Staten would return once again to be one of the most important voice actors in the game as the grunts.
2: As the grunts? Yeah, I I didn't actually know until doing research for this is that Joe did grunts for Halo, CE, and 2.
0: Oh, wow. So, fun fact. So, now here's a question that we're going to have to dive deeper into. Mm-hmm. Was it his own writing for the Grand Birthday Party stuff? Ah, uh, man. Maybe if we can get a hold of him, we could ask him. So, Joe, I know you listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> it's obvious. It's obvious out there uh, with all of our many uh, followers. If you are,
2: let's talk. Let's talk, as you know, because we have multiple creative directors from Microsoft listening to us. So um, yeah, let's call it dialogue for Halo 3 was recorded in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles and Seattle. Campaign dialogue was broken down into different tiers based on actions that the characters make or what is happening to the AIs in the game. There are over 35,000 lines of combat dialogue alone. These lines also had to be translated into 10 different languages. There is also a third category for dialogue, the cinematic dialogue.
0: And we we do see that because you'll notice when if you're with the Marines, mm-hmm. or we'll learn a little little tidbit, and a little Easter egg coming up with Johnson in a certain scene that he has different lines depending on what difficulty you play. Mm-hmm. Even with the Rooster Teeth guys, yeah, they have different lines depending on the difficulty. Yeah, and, and so it's it's just such little tidbits like that that make one the replayability of mm-hmm. like the campaign so much more. Because for me, when I first buy the game, I played on normal. To play through it and mm-hmm. to get the story, and I know Jesse's only heard of easy, but that's okay. Normal, normal. Uh, Jesse's legendary is normal, and uh, <laughs> and then I'll you know play on legendary to go through it and actually be a hashtag true gamer. But it's cool. It's it's cool to notice those little those little tidbits, and then you know even going back to having like the grunt birthday party skull, and having, the, um, I skull, mm-hmm. having the I would have been your daddy skull, having both of those, and the I would have been your daddy skull. That, like, the whole change in dialogue Mm -hmm. based on, like, little, uh, you know, Easter eggs like that that you get the skull, turn it on, and everything kind of changes dialogue-wise. Yeah. So,
2: you know, moving on, Bungie would have access to Microsoft Labs in order to get deeper dive into the minds of gamers testing Halo 3. This is actually really cool. In the course of Halo 3's development... Randy Pugalean and the rest of the Microsoft Labs team spent over 3,000 hours analyzing 600 just regular gamers playing Halo 3. This would help determine changes in in you know later stages of development because like it was cool that they they would all sit in a room and they had this map and they would see all these dots of where people died. So if there was a huge cluster, they could click on one of those dots and watch the video of this player and why they died and how they died and their comments
0: like. Well, then, and crazy, the cool thing was was that whenever the gamers did really well, they were actually fed in their cells, mm-hmm. and when they did poorly and kept dying they were they were taken out back and just taken care of <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's 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 really cool I mean those type of things, especially getting into the psychology of gaming mm-hmm. and what it takes. To be a game tester, because as a kid, like that was like the dream of mine it was like, yeah, I actually play video games all day. Yeah. But you don't realize it's, that
2: it's running in a corner or they even said jumping in a spot a thousand times to see if it breaks a map.
0: Yeah. To see if for some reason in the code at jump number nine nine six, it's mm-hmm. like, OK, then you just fall through the world. Yeah. All game testers are is break my game. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because it's even I think like the second they build the title screen UI, they just try to break it. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, and it was really cool because they had someone as well watching the face of someone playing the game to see their reactions. Like, that to me is absolutely crazy, and this really helped, as you said, look into the psychology of gaming itself and, like,
0: what is a good experience for a gamer? Because that's the thing. You need people coming back. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you have... The way they do it today is loot boxes and kind of gambling and all of those mm-hmm. things, Uh, but this was kind of really the first stages you see... At least in the Halo universe that they're kind of really putting the money and effort behind it Mm -hmm. to get that psychology because you need that player to have that experience. You need that, like, Marty O'Donnell music Mm -hmm. to, like, draw you in and, like, get that blood pumping to, like, I'm
2: going to save the world. Exactly. So – By the end of development, Bungie had truly felt that they had released the best product they had ever made. A vast majority of employees had even started testing the game the second it was playable. They were all excited about this. This wasn't a yeah, I'm just gonna play it because I have to. They they all loved it. So on July seventh, two thousand seven, Bungie would be an independent studio, no longer owned by Microsoft. In a short amount of time, a handful of Bungie employees would become the new owners of the studio, and they would offer bonuses to anyone who'd come over to Bungie instead of staying with Microsoft. Some stayed, and some some left. As you know, uh, that's what Eric told us. He said, you know, once he saw this change of hands, he didn't want to do it anymore.
0: Yeah, and and we'll cover more of this. So when we touch on our last piece of Bungie Media, mm-hmm. which I think is early next year, we'll definitely do a deep dive in this because mm-hmm. what we learned um, from Ereo, from Eric Areo, is a lot of the inside scoop of kind of what was going on mm-hmm. and, and things were handed off a little differently than some people might think. Mm-hmm. So we'll really touch on that to kind of see where, when, why, how, things happen with it.
2: Yeah, and so to wrap up the development, we just have some random trivia overall about the game that we want to share. The game would cost $60 million to make, and that's including the cost of marketing, which I think it was almost half and half or like one-third, two-third kind mm-hmm. of breakdown. The game has has 50,000 total pieces of sound, 40,000 being NPC dialogue, and which that's, just blows my mind that you know, 80% of it is just lines.
0: A good amount of, and this is one fact that I really enjoy, and we talked to Ariel about this a little bit, that most of the Marines, a lot of their faces were featured from developers Mm -hmm. or pulled from faces around the studio Mm -hmm. um, and put in there. Because when you have, you know, Someone to work off of. Yeah. It makes it easy. Well, I remember even seeing, like, the making of Doc. He was like,
2: I have a pretty symmetrical face. So you see him, like, scooching his nose over. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. Like, he's like, I have I have to be a little more realistic here. I have to have a broken nose or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And also, months before the release of Halo 3, a or a game codenamed Epsilon would leak, the final testing copy of Halo 3. Now, anyone caught playing this version of the game would have their Xbox Live account banned until the year 9,999.
0: Here's the thing, though. That's not a lifetime ban. It's not. If you keep your account and pass <laughs> it to your great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, mm-hmm. even greater, uh, they'll, <laughs> they'll be able to play it at that time. Yeah. They'll be able to go back and say, my G to the 405th power got banned trying to play mm-hmm. illegally.
2: And that, that's standing up to Microsoft. I think that's standing up to corporations more than anything.
0: It really is. But this is not the first time that we've had a game leaked, specifically in Halo.
2: Yeah, I, I, Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 2, we talked about this, how it's kind of a problem. But it's bound to happen, and especially it's happening more and more.
0: And with so many hands, and what happens with a lot of movies, too, is whenever you go into translation into a different country, Mm-hmm. Sometimes someone there will do it, and that's not trying to like point at countries or point at at, at foreigners for doing it specifically. Mm-hmm. It's just you have so many different outlets mm-hmm. that one person's bound to be then be like, "I could probably make a dime doing this."
2: Yeah, or even someone can get in, mm-hmm. you know, because it's harder to break into just bungee secure network. But when they're passing off files all across the world we could either intercept or break into their, you know, this other country's secure files at their studio.
0: Yeah, with their password of password1234.
2: Yeah. So the final piece of, like, random trivia that I thought was just incredible is it took three years to develop Halo 3. And in that time, Bunchy employees consumed over 20,000 pounds of pizza, 24,000 gallons of soda, and 1,000 pounds of bananas. Still waiting on our pizzas, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, and bananas. That sounds really good right now. Yeah. Soda, just... Just give Jesse some monster.
2: <laughs> just. Well, that's the trigger word for everyone in disc- Discord. Yeah, if just, you bring up just, monster. Just
0: cloud his arteries with <laughs> 17 <laughs> cans of monster a day. Because I think he's already hit that 24,000 gallons of monster just in this podcast alone. I've had three today so far, so uh, we're, we're doing there. good.
2: Now let's move on to marketing. One or two of my favorite parts about doing these game episodes. So with Halo 3's marketing campaign, it was going to be the biggest that the franchise would see at the time costing 30 to $40 million. This is the first time that we would see cinematic live-action trailers from Halo, which has kind of become a staple since. Microsoft wanted everyone to buy Halo 3, not just the longtime fans, along with selling more 360 consoles during Halo 3's release. And that's what kind of pushed for the the Halo 3 version of it.
0: Yeah, and and I think they did it really well. So this is going to the future. Comparing uh, Bungie's approach... To pull on non Halo fans Mm -hmm. as opposed to three four threes with like five to pull non Halo fans by just like sacrificing anything that the OG fans like. It was like for the multiplayer essentially. It's basically for the multiplayer, it's basically to pull that in. And so I think they did really well. And like we said, like the game cost in total what, sixty million? With marketing. Mm -hmm. I've read some things that are saying
2: marketing was forty or thirty. So still at least half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at minimum half. Yeah, so Microsoft wanted to sell 1.5 million copies, which that's – once we go into how much it's sold, that's fucking laughable that that's all they wanted to sell. Oh, yeah. And the market research showed that uh, only 75% of those copies would sell from, quote-unquote, faithful Halo fans. So they that left about 375,000 copies that would need to go out to new fans. Thus, the push for marketing began. So let's break down – All the main things that they really did, along with some minor things. So we would first see Halo 3 at E3 in 2006 with the announcement trailer. This trailer was released in May of 2006 at a Microsoft press conference at E3. And it would show Chief walking up to the portal at Void and the Covenant Armada to follow. It was like, you know, whenever the arc would start to uncover. Mm -hmm. And even with that, we would start to see Cortana and her messages. And I, like, you know, that trailer is amazing alone because... It really like you hear that new track from Martin or Marty, the piano coming in, and it's pretty reminiscent. Are you talking about the do to do? Do to do, but uh, higher little octaves, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but that trailer already got people very pumped. Then E3 of 2007, we had a gameplay trailer come out, and that's when we heard the Prophet of Truth talking. And and most of that, it looked like it was done within Forge for the most part. Mm -hmm. How they would zoom in on Chief and everything, which I think is a brilliant way to market Forge as well. Like, look, clearly they probably had some outside sources working on that. That wasn't just Forge, but overall, still pretty pretty badass trailer. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then you had probably one of my favorite trailers. Of this campaign, but of almost all time, oh, if not my favorite trailer of all time, is the Starry Night trailer. And if you guys haven't seen it, if you guys didn't kind of grow up with it and see it on TV or through whatever medium you're watching stuff through,
2: go look it up. Just go look right. up on YouTube. And if
0: you pause look up, this episode and go watch it, I'm yeah. serious. And just just put Starry Night trailer and you'll find it. And it premiered December 2006 during a Monday night football. And it started with these two kids who were laying in like tall grass, mm-hmm. kind of like in like a meadowy area, I yeah, guess you'd say, yeah, or grasslands. And uh, just talk about the idea of aliens, like, you know, we're here, like, are are they out there? Like, what, are they thinking of us type do, thing? Do you think they want to, do, do, you want, do they want to meet us? Yeah, do they want to it, meet us. And, you know,
2: you learn that this child is John, saying he wants to meet these aliens.
0: Yeah, and, and so you, you then pan over, and you see this area, uh, it's kind of blank, and mm-hmm. then it, it opens up to kind of a barren area with uh, Chief's Helmet. Yeah, well, it's like Chief's Helmet in the grass at night, mm-hmm. and then...
2: An explosion happens and his chief's helmet in in the dirt during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. And that's when chief picks it up and he puts the helmet on. And when he looks up, you see kind of like the, the, the plasma from a wraith coming at him and he puts the gun behind him. And someone says, I think we lost chief. And he says, not yet, which the marketing really was trying to play chief implying chief was going to die at the end of this
0: yeah so because like you're saying like not yet you're seeing these things of him younger kind of talking mm-hmm, about it, wanting to meet aliens and now he he's met them yeah and, and then and then you have one of like the coolest battle charges that you will ever see so chief like Puts his assault rifle on his back, draws mm-hmm. his pistol, takes a couple of steps, looks up, and this is where you first get the look at his equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he throws a bubble shield down, and it protects him
2: from the plasma from the wraith. Mm-hmm. And then he instantly just starts going, just running straight forward, and jumps into a pack of Brutes. And yeah. you see the chieftain there, too.
0: Yeah, it's where you're saying because, yeah, he's he's running towards this cliff edge, and as he jumps, you see Wraiths around and then this pack of Brutes in the mm-hmm. center, and you see him just diving towards that, and that's when it cuts Halo 3. Yeah,
2: which I like is you see some of those Brutes start to run away, mm-hmm. and even – you can tell this is a little bit of a dated trailer because it was in 2000 – yeah, it was in 2006. The hammer that the Brute Chieftain was holding resembled the Fist of Ruck from Halo 2. Mm-hmm. This is before they moved on to the more mechanical ones uh, that all the other Chieftains would be holding, but either way – One of my favorite trailers of all time, if not, you know, if not for even just Halo, but just in general. I watched it a handful of times even today just to kind of prep up for this episode. So, as I said, if you haven't seen it, go look it up and go get hyped. So we also had Landfall, which was a really, really cool kind of short movie. It was kind of short, three short pieces that made them, that got made into
0: a movie yeah short film
2: yeah landfall is yeah short film is a short film documenting the odst and marines attempting to put a lock on chief's coordinates as he jumps from the forerunner dreadnought entering earth's atmosphere this came from needing to use the resources created from the the canceled halo movie which we'll talk about a little more later on
0: yeah because i remember this when it came out because there was a hype of talking about would it even be possible to make a Halo movie? Mm-hmm. You know, there there was rumors about it here. And then was it canceled? Was it doing this? And mm-hmm. then when this dropped, this was something like that. Like, like you got it from someone who shared it and you shared it mm-hmm. and just kind of went, I, I guess, viral at the time mm-hmm. because you finally got to see like aliens on screen. That were still obviously animated, but were like in "quote unquote" real life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this is the best
2: live action mm-hmm. th- sequence or short film or anything that we would get from Halo yet, because this was actually originally filmed as camera testing when uh, Neil Blomkamp was being considered for the Halo movie. Bungie decided to use it as a trailer for Halo Three. It was uh, three shorts called Arms Race, Combat, and The Last One Standing. Again. Go on YouTube. Pause this. Go on YouTube. Look up Halo landfall. It's about seven minutes long. Yeah, it's about
0: six six and a half seven minutes. Yeah,
2: it, it it's good. It's shot so well. You know, as I said, like for the C the computer animation in two thousand and seven, it was really really good. And I, I I was like, where is two more hours of this after I
0: watched it? Well, like you said, it, for for it being a camera test and kind of a film test to see if they would be in this. I mean, there's definitely portions. I watched it again today. There's definitely portions that date it and make it look like a student film at times. Mm-hmm. Like, when you have the when you have the Marines and ODST kind of armoring up, you can yeah. tell clearly there's a green screen behind them for some of it. <laughs> but after that, once you get past kind of that assembly line stuff, mm-hmm. and... Arms race, that short, yeah. Yeah, the arms race, so like, it's like your first stuff of, like, they're sort of assembling warthogs, they're assembling weaponry, and like, mm-hmm. you see Marine helmets all on tables, and they're kind of gearing up for it. Once you get past that... And you get through into the second short, second two shorts that make up the movie. Mm-hmm. It's really cool because it's, it's shot from kind of the same thing we see in ODST when the AI, of the city, is going around camera to camera, mm-hmm. looking through and watching,
2: and you even see through the the camera of the the Marines and the ODST as well. Yes,
0: yeah, so you see through that. You see through some infrared cameras. You see through uh, just some like military satellite kind of cameras that are around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's
2: honestly, it's as a whole, it's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, so check it out. It's a short it's a short little watch. Um, yeah, and let us know what you think of it because it, it basically plays out really cool. That you follow in the end, you follow one of these ODST who basically finds the coordinates for what looks like a Spartan laser, Mhm. best yeah. way to describe it, uh, and basically is a tracker to pull him down, and you see a pretty brutal short film. Yeah, it definitely shows, like,
2: when you are not Master Chief, brutes just mow through you.
0: Yeah, and and, and you have one, uh, you know, kind of our, I guess you want to say, our, uh, you know, protagonist of this. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes um, uh, Brute Mauler? Sp- Spiker. Spiker? Yeah, through the chest. Yeah, and yeah. So, 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 I love how realistic it
2: is because he's suffering from this, and they say, "Can you do your job?" And he says, "Yes." And then the uh, the medic runs away.
0: Yeah, the, like because that's exactly how it is. Yeah, it's what? like, "Can you can you function?" Yes. Okay, I'll be back for you. I need to tend to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And so they eventually come back, um, you know, yank that spike out, mm-hmm. and they you know biofoam it. Yeah, and which I will say that that was definitely just shaving cream. It's like the same thing. <laughs> what 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 if we haven't discovered that shaving cream is biofoam? True haven't used it yet <laughs> uh yeah and and so it's just and you see some brutality of like you know one of the odsts says you know you guys do this i'll flank you know i'll, I'll kind of you know draw their attention with so a sniper rifle with a sniper rifle takes a couple brutes out but then a chieftain comes up behind him and just decimates him. and just nails him with that hammer yeah and you see blood splatters on the wall which from his head yeah so you see that splatter which is which is pretty realistic to kind of what it would be and i would say cgy has done really well mm-hmm. yeah yeah So, yeah, watch that. It's
2: amazing. So let's move on to the Believe campaign, which I think is kind of the highlight of all of this, Mm -hmm. which this, you know, the Believe campaign was a series of trailers released uh, speculated 50 years after the Human Covenant War. Highlighting Chief as the hero of the Human Covenant War. These trailers would interview soldiers who fought in the war along with showcasing a museum created. Uh, it's like the, the Museum of Humanity, yep. basically, showing the highlights of the war and uh, showcasing this miniature model creating, showing the horrors of this – of a battle on Earth. This – this was just a phenomenal thing because, you know, you had those multiple interviews, but then you had one of them, one of the videos, which was all about people handmaking these models and like showing like soldiers being dragged away by jackals or soldiers crying mm-hmm. or dying, being shot. Like and it's really like I saw like a, a YouTube comment that was like, wow, like I'm really feeling for these made up soldiers right now because yeah. it, it really is
0: like, holy shit, this is amazing. Well, it's one of those things where like they're really showing those kind of horrors of war that mm-hmm. goes into it and and like you said like if you can pull a motion and get that from a crowd like think on how that affects the market to kind of want to push them to jump in and save those marines mm-hmm. and, and and kind of be a part of that to help save humanity
2: yeah well even then like one of them when they're interviewing a marine he talks about the memorial for master chief is right about a mile up there so we're again we're kind of pulling out like is Chief gonna die after this? Because yeah. if it's fifty years after, maybe he dies of old age. But when you have the Starry Night trailer where Chief says, you know, you know, did we lose him and he says, Not yet. You know, you have the weight of those words saying like he's gonna do what it takes, but it's going to take everything, essentially.
1: Yeah. And, and that, it,
0: that's what Bungie was selling. And it is, because when you're making a trilogy like that, and you know, like we said, there was plans for them to have to continue mm-hmm. a series. But if you didn't like, if it didn't necessarily go through, you kind of keep it open ended. Mm -hmm. So you could either end the entire story here, or like they did with the end of the game, you kind of keep it open to see what is going to happen to Chief.
2: Yeah. Another thing that they did, which is the first time, uh, they were doing Vidocs for the development of Halo 3, which was a good source for the notes for a lot of this. Mm -hmm. Many Vidocs were released during Halo 3's development, showcasing new features and graphics throughout the development. Mm -hmm. And they even did some later on for the new multiplayer maps where they have the developers as their Halo 3 multiplayer characters, and they would just kind of just show you what's new with this map. I
0: thought that was really cool, and they've kind of continued to do that ever since. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of game companies that have started doing that, even with updates So even Mm -hmm. like Overwatch, you have one of, uh, you know, game directors comes up and we'll go through all the updates that are happening and all of, you know, the character changes or new maps or Mm -hmm. updates to it kind of going through the game and getting people hyped about why they chose to do these things. And that's kind of what the Vidocs did.
2: Yeah. Again, it's just really cool to see from their point of view and even seeing like they do one of like game testing where, you know, like there was a video of like Dan Miller uh, actually watching someone playing a game and, like, screwing up for some reason, you could see him sigh and just be like, again. So it's like it wasn't, like, highlighting all the highs. It was showcasing, like, all kind of the troubles that they were having with development, too. It, yeah, they it, were
0: honest. Yeah, it's, it's to really show what goes behind it, because you don't want to be like, you know, all daisies and roses, like, it was great. Everything mm-hmm. was awesome. It's like, no, this is the blood, sweat, and tears that actually went mm-hmm. into making this product that you're using.
2: Yeah, well, that's what even Eric said, as they they kind of needed more producers to, ch- to check everything that was going on. As we said, you know, something's going to happen, and then all of a sudden it, it screws over a lot of things. Yeah. Now, we also had Iris. So keeping the tradition with, you know thinking outside of the box, marketing strategies. Iris is a, quote, an ARG or alternate reality game designed to give people more information on how the great conflict behind the Halo franchise began and the climactic conclusion. So kind of the same with I Love Bees and was it the Cortana files or Cortana emails and
0: Combat Evolved? Yeah, that you can kind of dig through and Mm -hmm. read those. Uh, Which I... It's. I can't say for sure,
2: but I'd love to do an episode all about those because it's, it's very interesting and kind of confusing.
0: It is, and, and there's even some of that, like superlative media that you get from all of those, mm-hmm. some collector's edition things that you can read through, which really tell a lot of the details of just... Some fun tidbits that, if you're a hardcore fan, Mm -hmm. really draw you in and really give you a cool insight to what's going to happen.
2: kind of like fan service to people who, like, can really break down that stuff, digest it, and understand it.
0: Yeah, and and I would say, uh, coming up to probably one of the best marketing strategies, you know, in my opinion, because it's a great place to visit, was Master Chief was the first video game character to become a wax statue at Madame Tussauds in Vegas, and Pete Wentz... We all love uh, some, some Fallout Boy. I actually do. Was there to inaugurate it, but. He was a little hungover. He was uh, sipping a little too much. Yeah, so his. his a little his, too much tippling. His, his speech was uh, short and sweet. And that's all you need. And it's really cool because the Statue of Chief was created by an artist in London who put almost 900 hours into the seven foot two. All of our European people just translate that. 275 pound, also translate that, statue. I want to say that's like 110, 120 kilos. Yeah, all of our British people, too. Translate to Stones. Let me know.
2: (laughs) Well, I like at this event is Martin O'Donnell introduced himself to Pete Wentz, but he called him Paul. He's like, what's up, up, Paul? I'm Marty O'Donnell. Close enough. Pete Wentz was just so hungover. He's like, hey, let's go. Yeah. Well, Marty also said he's a fan of emo from this. He said he listened to Fall Out Boy. He's like, yeah, I'm a fan of this. That's a shame. He just says he does not like rap. Hmm. So he doesn't like whenever we play, uh, what do we play? Sicko mode. Yeah, he doesn't like sicko mode, apparently. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> Master Chief was also, you know, his face was plastered on basically, or his helmet was plastered on anything and everything that Bungie could get their hands on, most notably Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel, which was born from Halo 3's marketing. It was released August 13th, 2007, and was originally available for only 12 weeks, which is a lie because we still have it today.
0: Yeah. So, so, you, you know, thanks to Halo 3 for all you MDGFs out there <laughs> who really enjoy that. Um, you know, it started from that. And it, it's really cool because I love when companies do kind of this shotgun method of marketing mm-hmm. where it's like shoot to whatever product you can put it on. If it sticks, great. And there's some companies that do it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some companies that do some really odd things. But with this, you kinda of hit your target base, kind of like the stereotypical Mountain Dew Doritos thing. Mm-hmm. And uh but you know, obviously it's still stuck around.
2: Yeah, it it, it was there's such a high demand for it that they brought it back. Burger King would also partner with Bungie, putting Master Chief all over their packaging. 7 Eleven would continue their partnership with Microsoft and selling specialty cups promoting Halo 3. There was also a special Halo 3 Zune, which really you know puts a timestamp on this. Which I owned. You, you own the Halo 3 Zune? I do. Oh, I did not know that. It came with the music artwork and trailers, and the Zune included soundtracks from Halo Combat
0: Evolved and 2. Complete side note, I got it because I think when I worked at Best Buy, was that it? Or was, was know, it through something else? I don't know. But I got points to basically get um, Xbox and Microsoft promotional materials that they didn't give away. Uh-huh. We, like, quote-unquote bought them with points. Yeah. So that's how I got my Zune. That's awesome. Yeah. Bungie would also throw parties, inviting
2: writers and actors to come play Halo 3, some of which included Andy Sandberg and Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis is actually a longtime Halo and Bungie podcast fan, and Brian Gerard even noted that he's a pretty damn skilled player. Like, they, they had said that at these parties, sometimes a writer or a journalist gets an invite and they just show up for the drinks. But they said, like, when Jason showed up, he was just... Right there on Halo 3 and did like not butchering. Just from like it. hopped on
0: the couch, shoved someone off, and like took the controller. And, yeah,
2: like... w- which I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that, like, you know, we don't think of like celebrities as like real people, but then you have people who are like, oh my God, I love this game.
0: Well, especially before social media and all of this stuff of like getting like mm-hmm. insight, when you're like, oh man, like, you know, they act, they're like above. A threshold, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Not nah, so I do." Yeah, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, I'm gonna go side note. So, uh, going back to Burger King a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody wants to uh, sponsor me doing a second podcast on exclusively the Burger King games that came out, uh, let me know <laughs> because those like two dollar Xbox games. Those things were fantastic. <laughs> I never played them. I we could do that own- as a bonus
2: episode or something. Sweet. I owned all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Bungie would also sponsor the 2007 Project Revolution Tour. This tour featured bands like Linkin Park, My Chemical Romance, him, Taking Back Sunday, Medina Lake, and many more popular artists of the time. Certain days of the tour, Bungie would hold contests and winners would not only be able to meet the bands, but they would be able to play Halo 3 multiplayer. And I like that Linkin Park even would, like, rummage through fans with security just so that they could play... Halo three matches, and in between matches, they would go and sign
0: autographs, and when it would come back, they would go and play again. I love like the dedication to this game franchise too, mm-hmm. of yeah. like like playing through it, and I love that <laughs> Bungie kind of found their niche mm-hmm. and like kind of emo rock with like. Breaking Benjamin, Linkin Park and like all that these new bands. metal
2: to emo kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like
0: that's that's what they hit. And like, you know, obviously with like Halo 2 soundtrack and things like that, when we're seeing like Breaking Benjamin and things on the track, mm-hmm. just kept up with that. It's cool.
2: Yeah. And another thing is that they started the Bungie podcast as kind of promotional piece for this because they were giving us updates about Halo 3 bringing in developers in all up until the release and then they continue to it they it's actually continued now but I mean the episodes are one or twice a year and I think the last episode was 2014 or 17 but I mean there's only been it's that's what I'm saying it's a jump there's only been five or six episodes since Bungie moved on to Destiny. Got it. So that's why I'm saying, like, 2014 or 17, I can't really remember.
0: which makes sense. Like, one thing that you noted was that they kind of talked about was kind of being one of the OG podcasters, or, like, podcasting when it wasn't as popular and uh, prolific as it is today. For, for like, gaming. For gaming especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Was they can only go for so long because they had to host
2: it themselves. Yeah, because I remember they would be like, how long are we into this, like, an hour? Like, yeah, we have to stop because of the bandwidth. Yeah. So they, they've been doing, they they really trudged through it, I think, which is amazing. So also, something this is kind of marketing, but it's more PR, is, and I watched this interview today to confirm it, Julia Roberts cons- confessed in an interview that she's a huge Halo fan. She said she's not good at
0: it, but she loves it. I I love to hear that, too. Like, not only just as a Halo fan, but I love when people who are out of a fan base, or you think would be, like, nowhere near that fan base, are like, mm-hmm. no, I actually enjoy it. Like, yeah, I may not be good at it, but I think it's really cool. Well, yeah, and- I think the, the story alone draws people in. It does, and it's what's kept people going. I mean, we've we've talked about this several, several times. Like, the nostalgia trip you get from playing these games again, and Mm -hmm. for us, like, talking with you guys about all of this, it's just really, really cool. It kind of ignites that flame of staying up on midnight release to play it for six hours Mm -hmm. and then go to school in an hour type thing. Yeah, pretty much, or even just being like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. I'm sick today. (laughs) That was me most days. (laughs) So,
2: yeah, the Friday before the VMAs in 2007, Linkin Park held a Halo 3 party. Like, that's that's how important this game was to even rock stars. Like, they were like, we want a Halo 3 party? Let's do it.
0: Yeah, and it just, once again, like you said, it's it's a cool PR move, but for them, it's just kind of like, we just want to play it.
2: Yeah, it wasn't like, it was PR for Bungie, but not for them. They're like, just give us this, this fucking game. Yeah, we set, want it. set
0: it all up for us. Let's play it. Boom.
2: <laughs> yeah, Bungie also held an event in Atlanta, Georgia at Patchwork Studios hosted by Little John for many prominent hip-hop artists to play Halo 3. So even now, Little John's like, I want to play this.
0: Yeah, and it expands it out. And once you have, you know, like, obviously two games on your belt that you've got going with it, mm-hmm. third one's out, you have your diehard fans we talked about and these new fans. And whenever anything has a huge marketing push like this, you don't want some FOMO. You don't want a fear of missing out on it. You're like, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of this. Let's include everybody. And when you start to see celebrities do stuff from, you know, whatever walk of life it is, yeah. Then that kind of core base they have is like, okay, I want to do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Best
2: Buy also held a giveaway that featured a Pontiac G6 GXP Street Edition that had custom made Halo 2 and 3 graphics on
0: it. If, let's throw this out there, because I know you're listening to Pontiac Guy. If you have that Pontiac, please let us see it. Please let us. Please drive it over here. Because I thought
2: you were going to say, oh, I
0: bought. I got that with my Best Buy points. Oh, yeah, Buy I points. also bought that with my Best Buy points, too. It's pretty easy. No one wanted it. No, like, that would be super cool to see. Also, drive. We'll trade you. We'll. Tr- well I'll trade you for my Saturn. That'd be great. <laughs> Limit, you know, it's limited edition. They don't make this anymore. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, uh, the marketing was so impressive for Halo 3 that it also won several awards. PR Week would give it Technology Campaign of the Year for Halo 3's launch. Andy Awards gave it a grandy for the Believe campaign. Art Directors Club annual awards ceremony gave them five gold cubes, one silver cube, and two certificates of merit. Most of those were for the Believe campaign.
0: It's like the laziest trophies of all time. (laughs) We're not shaping this or anything. Just cut some cubes up. Give them some certificates. Well, like,
2: isn't that like the definition of an award? A certificate of merit, essentially.
0: Yeah, but it's a piece of paper. They don't get. They don't get, a, they don't get a cool cube.
2: Yeah, so that was the marketing, at least like the the bigger, most notable aspects for it. Now let's talk about what's new in
0: Halo Three. What you know? What did they bring in that wasn't in Halo Two? And it's a pretty decent amount, I, I think. With between CE and Two, we saw a lot more in terms of weaponry, mechanics like that, mm-hmm. vehicles. We still see improvements with that but they added a lot more outside of your strict campaign Mm -hmm. and your strict multiplayer. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about before, that Brute's pack mentality, pretty big for AI at the time. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that was new. We also had campaign
2: scoring, which I will say... They originally were going to make that to where you had to finish the campaign first mm-hmm. before you could get that. Kind but, of unlock
0: plus mode almost. Yeah,
2: but, you know, for that replayability. But then they, you know, I, I think I think it was Brian Gerard said that only 10% of campaigns out there are ever c- completed across all games. Hmm. So they're like, we can't do that. Same with Skulls. Skulls were only going to be available only after you finish the campaign once. So they kind of scrapped
0: that idea. Yeah, especially if you, especially future thinking. Mm -hmm. If you've already, like, played the game and, like, restart it or get a new Xbox and restart again, you want to play through it Mm -hmm. to, like, do the stuff you want to do. And the one big thing that I love with campaign scoring that they push with back then and with MCC is not only is it an achievement for certain aspects of it, but it just allows you to, like, compete against your friends.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, which moves on to what was new is four-player campaign mode. You also had, you know, you could play, you know, the four characters, there would be chief, arbiter... And you had two additional elites that were canonical characters, which were, I'm going to butcher this, Uzi Taham and Natho Skrom. A.k.a. Other Elite and Red (laughs) Elite. Yeah. Also, you had real-time campaign events. So certain cutscenes you can never really skip them, but you you would just keep playing as they would happen. Like within the first mission, when that chieftain is pushing Johnson into that jail cell, Mm -hmm. if you just press X, or I think it's X... You still see that happening. You can or shoot a, at it yeah. and kind of
0: skip through it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a continued yeah. cutscene. Yeah. I, uh, I do have to say, I'm going to jump on a soapbox right here. And I'm going to say this through the campaign. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things they added was real time campaign events. Like Cortana or Gravemind talking to you. Yeah, um, because that was supposed to be like a kind of a, a tertiary
2: story that they were telling and, and that was their way of being like, Oh, this way you don't forget about
0: Cortana and it's just like I don't care about her right now. Yeah, you know what's you know what's really fun in a game when you're on pace and it makes you slow down. Mm-hmm. Nothing like being in, like, GTA or Red Dead when you have to do the walking missions. Because that's my favorite part in any game. When Assassin's I slow- Creed. Assassin's Creed. When I have to follow someone and walk. Because yeah. you know what I love to do? Slow something down that I can do in real life.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, another thing is uh, that they implemented was depending on the difficulty, enemies would spawn in different places than before. If you you know restart that checkpoint,
0: yeah, and and we we kind of saw a little bit of this in some of that uh, Bungie vidoc that you were watching with it, uh-huh. where they kind of talked about the development cycle and they have kind of these spawn walls mm-hmm. that you build in. Jesse and I are not developers or anything like this, so it's really cool to us that we mm-hmm. see this. So it's like campaign triggers. Like you have to trigger a certain point and you could put a randomizer in there, an yep. kind of RNG thing. And like you said, depending on the difficulty, it can kind of mix that up yep. so that you're not always knowing that when you hit that, yeah, you know, that person, that jackal's gonna be right there. There's gonna be two mm-hmm. brutes there. It mixes it up for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. That way, it's like you know, it gives it that replayability value, but also like completely just takes away being predictable. So also some some big ones. There was theater and forge, which we will expand upon later. But yeah, so those were two huge things that were implemented. Yeah,
0: because theater, you could watch me betray my best friend, <laughs> and forge, you could make maps so I can betray my best friend within it. It was great. You also had the terminals, which is, uh,
2: again, that replayability value they really wanted to add in Halo 3, and that's what they were really trying to sell. Now, to get into some weapons, we had the mauler, and we had mounted turret weapons that could be pulled from their place. That was a first.
0: Yeah, because before, it was you had those mounted turrets that were in a position that mm-hmm. would either kind of help you defend something, or they were defending against you, and you could use it for that set amount of time. Yeah. But one of the big things they added, like you said, was when you use the turret itself, it's unlimited ammo. Mm-hmm. If you tear it from its mount, it has a finite amount of ammo that's still, in my opinion, a decent amount. 200, 200 rounds, I think. For all of it? For for 100 or 200
2: once you pull it, and then it's like 200% or something for plasma.
0: Yeah, so it's all around that. And then the same thing with one of the things that they do introduce is that kind of anti-air rocket pod. Mm-hmm. That's one that uh, mounted, gives you these unlimited rocket pods, and you first see it— in the level where you first see the Scarab, uh-huh. that you can kind of use against it, but you can also rip it off, use it, and then you see it also in the multiplayer map Valhalla as a, a spawn that's there. Mm-hmm. Yep, let me tell you, it's not really
2: accurate when you're just firing at random people. No. As, just, as I found in our Halo 3 buffer this past Saturday.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jesse, uh, I learned very well what, how to deal with that in game night. <laughs> Which is a t- don't do it. You also had the uh, Spartan
2: laser, which was huge, huge anti-vehicle weapon. Yeah, right? it was
0: It was one of the first ones that, besides the rocket launcher, is kind of the first one you get on the human side.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah, and when it came to multiplayer, it balanced it out very, very well.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, let's not forget, the hammer. Yep. In its current form. Yeah, because
2: initially it was going to be more of how the fist of Ruck resembled. But then, you know, as I said earlier, they kind of changed it over to give it its own unique look, making, you know, the fist of Ruck a very, and that that's uh Tartarus's hammer. In case anyone doesn't know to give it more of like, that's the one hammer for the brute chieftain himself. But yes. in the lore itself, it's been lost. No one's seen it since.
0: Yeah. And that's fine. And what I love with lore like that, you can kind of position it however you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, one other thing that I really really loved that they added was flame grenades.
2: Yeah, fl- yeah flame grenades, and that was kind of like the brutish weaponry mm-hmm. that they added, uh, along with a spiker. Yeah, and and then they kind of like changed up the uh, the brute shot a little bit, but still overall same great weapon. Uh, we also had vehicles, like moving on to vehicles. They now have a collision system based on their size. So a chopper through a warthog. You know the warthog's gonna lose every time. Basically, chopper through anything except for like a wraith or a tank.
0: Yeah, and and chopper v chopper, brutes always win against me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you had the Prowler as well, which is kind of the brute equivalent to a Warthog. And the design was uh,
0: inspired by an anglerfish. And when you think of it, it does look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's like you said, it's kind of like the Warthog. It's basically snowmobile-ish yeah,
2: in like, a way what, with
0: two fins on mm-hmm. the front side. So you could have passengers with a mounted turret and a driver in the back. We also have the anti air wraith, which was a first.
2: And that one... You can get it through a cer- like a certain kind of glitch, but typically, if you're a guy like me who didn't know about this glitch until two days ago, you always wanted it and could never get it because if it's basically shooting fuel rod cannons, yeah, six at a time,
0: yeah, it's, it's basically yeah, taking those fuel rod cannons and you're you're pretty much using them in the as kind of mission progressings. Mm-hmm. So it's like you take out the AA tanks and then they can either land or or do something within that mm-hmm. realm. And like you said, as you know, someone playing this for the first time, I was wanted to jump out of whatever vehicle is in to be like, I'm gonna steal this. Yeah. You're like, no, I can't. I finally found
2: the glitch though the other day, and I'm like, next time I play this, I'm gonna fuck everyone up with it. For
0: that small amount of time you get it. <laughs>
2: yeah. We also had the elephant, which is for
0: multiplayer only. Mm-hmm. Still fun whenever we do our pirates mode. Yeah, and it's it's for those of you who don't know or have never played multiplayer, never playing in Sand Trap. Uh it's it's a it's a huge delivery vehicle that we we start to see in four. In mm-hmm. the campaign. With the for... with the mammoth, but that's like it on
2: every kind of steroid you can think of.
0: Exactly. So it's kind of like the, the predecessor of the mammoth mm-hmm. in that the elephant's a stripped down, kind of mobile combat
2: center. It's yeah, kind of like a
0: mobile base almost. Yeah. That that you can you can pilot around uh sand trap and it contains, I believe, is it a warthog or a mongoose that's on it?
2: Either or I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. And, uh, uh, roast us for that. Yeah, go ahead. Because I know it's coming.
0: And one of the coolest things with the elephant, when you flip it, with a typical vehicle, is as press X to flip. You know whatever it is. But it, with this, is press X to flip. Is how did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's such a little, little cute little Easter egg with that. Mm-hmm. Whenever you do eventually flip your elephant. Yeah, and
2: we also had a new scarab. Now the the scarab in Halo Two, you know, amongst like being different with the design alone, it was just on rails. This one was given its own AI though, so mm-hmm. it can pick and choose who it's going to go for. Which spoiler alert, it always goes for you. There, the only way that you can actually control that is if you kill everything in the area with the covenant and your and the marines and the UNC. That way, if you stand at the front, it just walks whatever direction you're at. Mm-hmm. So, in case you ever want to control a scarab and not really go anywhere with it, there <laughs> you, you just want to just if, if waste you, some time. If you learned
0: anything from this episode. That was it. Right there. So this is where we also learn that not only does it now look like a terrible bread basket on legs, it is fully redesigned on how you destroy them. Mm -hmm. With the Scarab that you do in Halo 2, you destroy it by just killing the command crew that's in the interior of it. You kill it by the screen fading to black. Exactly. And with this, when you destroy its butt cover or if you jump on it, and there's basically what looks like a Jekyll shield almost that's kind of mm-hmm. shielding over a power core. Mm-hmm. If you destroy that, it disables it and eventually uh, detonates it.
2: Yep, exactly. We kind of learned that it's it's made with uh, lit golo worms. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get that little like, oh, shit, this isn't just some kind of machine. It's a living creature, hence why we have this
0: this AI attached to it. Yeah, that, that basically understands how to train onto you without having to have a pilot.
2: Mm-hmm. We would also get the Hornet, which I think is the only game we play the Hornet in. We don't play it in Halo 3 ODST, and it's not in Reach. I think Halo 3 is the only game
0: we play the Hornet, or we can drive the Hornet. Yeah. That's incredible. And it's, and it's pushing the multiplayer because now you actually have some anti-Banshee air stuff. Like, like you have mm-hmm. the human equivalent of it that has kind of both options because you have both your kind of rockets, plasma blast, mm-hmm. and then your your turrets.
2: Yeah. We also have the bongoose, which Eric had told us that they had been wanting since Halo 1. Yeah,
0: it was it was a design they had already concepted up. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really love that Eric had told us was originally they wanted you to be able to drive it and then kind of hit a button to, quote unquote, switch seats. But you're still in the driver's seat uh-huh. to where it coasts and you can fire from the driver's position. Yeah. So if you have a rocket launcher, you can drive up on someone, you know, quote unquote, switch your position up and fire that rocket from the front seat so you could have almost two offensive players on it. Yeah. Because with it alone, it's nothing until like Halo 2A mm-hmm. when they put the gun goose in there. Yeah, which is still a pretty, uh, fantastic, dumb amazing, vehicle. dumb vehicle, but, uh, at least it's some offensive capability. But yeah, it was really cool insight to see kind of, what all conceptually they had for this, and this mm-hmm. is kind of the end result.
2: Yeah, we would also have the troop hog, which is a pretty worthless variation of the warthog. I and I, I've never seen a situation where it's like, yeah, instead of having a warthog, we'll just have three people on here with with
0: ARs and shoot, because that's less effective than a chain gun. I mean, it would have been better if you could find an area that's just all rockets or even just all snipers (laughs) and just have, like, all these just shots going off your vehicle. Yeah. uh, We also had suicide grunts. They would
2: would come to fruition here. We also had brute chieftains, as we mentioned. We would also have Pure flood forms. It's the first time we would ever see them. No no host needed. They just pop up out of nowhere and you're fucked.
0: Yeah. And and so with these pure host forms, it's really cool because they can transform themselves.
2: Yeah. You have kind of this, this crawler. You have this defense one. And then you have like this basically like a hunter form.
0: Yeah. It, it basically looks like a hunter. It's kind of full mass. A lot of people actually thought that for a while, that that was the hunter. And it made sense because let's say you didn't see a transformation for it. Mm-hmm. Or somehow you saw like a weird transformation that a hunter popped out. Because it would kind of make sense if, you know, somehow Hunter got infected and you had the whole colony kind of shift itself. Yeah. I I, I will say, I think Hidden Experia said that they,
2: I think, theoretically, Letgolo cannot be infected. And it makes sense because it'd have to have, like, infect every single one of them. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but overall they're probably just used for, like, biomass. Yeah. Like like grunts and jackals. Yeah, but
0: pure flood form, terrible. Uh, <laughs> especially when you're playing legendary and you have them in their little shooter form.
2: Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah, you're fucked. Because they're shooting those like little calcium bullets at you and it's just not a good time and they're really, really strong and you deal with that in Cortana, which we'll talk about here soon. But the veto system was also a new thing, which a lot of people didn't like. I do, though, because it's like... I don't like, like, I like the option of being like, I don't want
0: that map. Away with it. Yeah, it's really cool because whenever you had Danny D come in and set this entire system up, it was awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dane DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'll be here all podcast.
2: And so we also had the Halo 3 engine, and this was an in-house engine created by Bungie that featured high dynamic range, global lighting, motion blurring, real-time shadows, and depth of field. Players could also see 3D objects up to 10
0: miles away. And they do really well with that in cutscenes. Like Mm -hmm. the one where Johnson is with the Prophet of Truth, Mm -hmm. and that Brute is slamming his head. On the console, mm-hmm. you have it on Johnson, and then as Prophet Shue says, you know, like, enough, stop it, it phew, goes back to him with that depth of field. So it really yeah. creates that story arc that we're actually seeing this cinematically and not mm-hmm. just as, like, this 3D kind of board of characters. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, it was this was new, is that the skulls are available on all campaigns. No more legendary guys getting all the glory and being the only ones to have the skulls. E-
0: easy and normal boys like myself, we get those now. Yeah, because— so whenever we played Halo 2 together, let's let's imagine Jesse and I play this as kids. Jesse would cry and wet his pants the entire time because he was Still not do. allowed. Yeah, he's not allowed to uh, get the skulls. So it was just, it was tough. Um, it,
2: it was tough, but then Bungie said, listen, no more pissing your pants, you get these skulls. Yeah, crybaby skulls. <laughs> and the last thing that was new that's very notable is the equipment. And now we actually have the official names that we can break down. We had the shield. AKA had, bubble shield. We had invincibility.
0: AKA invincibility. We had the flare. AKA the stupid one that doesn't do much but it blinds you so it does enough it does enough for you it doesn't do anything for the enemies it's annoying radar jammer again
2: doesn't really do much for the enemies we had the emp drain we had the shield regenerator and then we had mines trip mine yep oh we also had the uh boosts as well or or grav lifts however you want to call it boost was reach that's dumb Grav <laughs> the
0: grav lift booster deal uh yeah so you had all that which made it really interesting especially because these were used you know differently In multiplayer as opposed to here, because like I said, the flare and radar jammer, Uh definitely more of a multiplayer aspect or like a one sided aspect in campaign, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, in multiplayer, whichever person had it could use it against them. And the flare just kind of screwed everybody. Exactly. Or even like it, it really
2: kind of changed things up within multiplayer i'm not good enough to ever like have a good enough reaction time to use them properly but it was still it's still always cool like i I, it's like one of the things like you got me whenever you're running towards someone and they throw a mine right in front of you and Mm -hmm. you die or they throw a grav lift in front of you and you shoot up in the air and they instantly just snipe you out and it's just like
0: it's it's such a cool mechanic for it because like nothing is better than throwing a bubble shield down Having someone charge in as you throw a grenade in the bubble shield to just have them detonate in there. And then you dip set out of there. Delicious. Or in my case, I do that thinking I'm throwing it outside the shield. I throw it inside and stick myself. (laughs) It happens more often than not. But when I do the other thing, pretty cool. (laughs) That one in ten times when it happens. It's all that matters.
2: So now let's move on to the campaign. There's a lot of controversy with this campaign. I will say right from the beginning, it's very obvious that Joe Staton is not the director of cinematics. Yep. And I I don't say that as a bad thing. With Halo Combat Evolved in 2, there was a very unique way that things were done. I still love the campaign for Halo 3, but there's definitely some changes within the dialogue and even how things are shot, what things make sense. But again, I like this campaign. It's arguably one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you could say argue wise story, how it's shot, how it's done. Mm-hmm. I think cinematically, it's great. Yeah, because
2: they were they were wanting to continue driving the cinematics, and you know they they said in development, but a bunch of employees said that it's like we we're giving you this option now to skip the cutscenes, but we're trying to make these so captivating that you won't want to.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, it takes it a little bit away. Take it takes kind of the the machismo out of like the whole thing of like every cutscene has to be like this like bloodthirsty kind of like war mm-hmm. like one liner, and make it more of like a really interesting story. You know, for for everyone that's mm-hmm. not just there for like how cool and tough Chief is, but to kind of show like so many different elements of what's really going on. Character deaths on screen mm-hmm. like a, a pretty big deal. Yeah, spoiler. Character deaths on screen. <laughs> So let's start with
2: the first mission, Arrival, Brace for Impact. This is the mission where it starts with Master Chief falling from the night sky. And you hear that beautiful new track from Martin O'Donnell. And you can hear Cortana tell Chief, if you're not familiar with the expanded lore at all, Cortana tells Chief that she chose him because he was lucky. And then as, you know, as she says that, you crash into the, or Chief crashes into the ground. Skip forward to its daylight and we see Johnson and a group of Marines finding him kind of like armor locked, like his armor's locked up. Yeah, it's fully locked up from the impact. And he's just he's a crater in the ground essentially. And they can't really get a response from him. And so as Johnson pulls Cortana's chip out, you know, he says, Heavy lift gear, we're not gonna leave him. And that's when Chief wakes up and says, Nope, you're not. And they kind of make a reference to why do you always jump, you know, from the Halo 2. Chief explains that Cortana was left behind. And then we already have this campaign starting off badass because you can see the kind of the shadow of the Arbiter right there in the background. And then Chief just grabs a pistol and runs up and sticks it straight in his mouth.
0: Yeah. So it's like right up his mandible. And then Johnson defuses the situation. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, Chief, he's with us.
2: Yeah. And because last time they saw each other, they were enemies and. Johnson, you know, so many famous lines coming from this campaign, you know, is whenever Johnson says, we can't have you two killing yourself. And this is where Arbiter says, you know, were it so easy. Like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm not going down easy, bud. Yeah. And so then, you know, he says, brutes have our scent. Let's go. And this is where we we start Sierra 117. But before we even go in then, Master Chief in Arrival, appears at the one minute and 17 mark in the cutscene because of course 117 has to appear at 117
0: yeah and it's i love that type of thing which such little attention to details with that because prior to that you know you have kind of cortana giving her spiel Mm -hmm. about how you know john was the one that she picked that you know picked you because you're lucky and like you said it's the kind of that super flighty o'donnell song that's kind of going Uh through it's like it's like if you if you recorded stars. That's kind of what the sound exactly feels like to me because mm-hmm. what we were doing. Yeah, and so I, I love that. And like I brought up before too, one other bit of trivia about this portion is that whenever the arbiter says the brutes have our scent, Johnson has five different lines he may respond mm-hmm. with depending on the difficulty of the game you're playing.
2: Yeah, it's like one. It's like they must love the smell of green. They must love the smell of testosterone.
0: Like just like like they did in Halo Combat Evolved and Halo Two. Yeah, and what's great is a lot of these. Lines or probably test lines. Just kind of go like (laughs) spitball. Just say you know they must love the scent of, and then throw something after it, Uh and then we'll we'll pick some.
2: Yeah. So now we have Sierra one one seven. Rise up, start the fight, and this is where originally they were going to have some warthogs and vehicles, but they said you know this is kind of a buffer mission, so you're in a jungle out in I believe Africa. I could be wrong. But you start going through the jungle, and you're initially hiding from these phantoms. Spoiler alert, it doesn't matter what you do. They, they don't react to you at all.
0: Yeah, because you're going through. So now, that you, now you've been recovered. You're going with the Marines through what honestly is one of the most beautiful maps. And those vid docs, they kind of talked about that. They wanted the players to start off in like a lush forest as opposed mm-hmm. to kind of these other desolate areas or just a city. Yeah, or, or just, a ship. Or a ship to really show off. You know, what the game can do, what the Mm -hmm. environments look like. And yeah, so as you go through, you're kind of winding your way, going over uh, fallen logs and getting this really cool jungle vibe. And then you eventually come upon, well, I don't know what we call those buildings, like little, like, Little bunkers? Little bunkers, I guess. Little pillbox bunkers, I guess. Yeah, like some some old bunkers from
2: a time came and went. Mm -hmm. And this is where you first encounter the Covenant for the first time in the game. And we see like a golden brute, Brute, at least on normal difficulty, a golden brute and some grunts. And, you know, the fight ensues. And I will say, start of the detailed walkthrough, there's a waterfall. And if you go down on the cliff or the ledge there, you
0: can find... The first skull, which is the blind skull. So not the first baby waterfall. I mean, this is super hashtag detailed walkthrough. There's first baby waterfall. That gets yeah. you where the drop ship comes down. No, no, no. It's big waterfall, and it's to the right of big waterfall. Right of big waterfall. Hashtag detailed walkthrough. Exactly. So
2: you're welcome. You can pay us, Venmo us, whatever. Because I know you couldn't find this without us. But yeah, so... After going, you know, you go through, and this is where you start seeing like you're dropping down levels. That way, you can't go backwards as you're continuing to you kind of fight through more covenant. You get your
0: first Cortana vision. Oh
2: yeah, that's so fun. And this your is first drop. Yeah, is where she says, uh, "Could you sacrifice me to complete your mission? Could you watch me die?" And then the marines like your levels went KIA, which I think in retrospect it's like, I don't. Th- why would you write that in some some little things like that's like killed in action?
0: Your le- so your levels flatlined. Is that what you were getting at? I- and like, like the the one thing you can kind of say about that in with this Cortana vision, because you see it in later scenes. I don't remember the mission where we're it's one of the later missions when you are going through the and I believe it's the mission where you go through Covenant, I think, when you're going to basically go kill truth. Mm-hmm. And Cortana comes on, but she also comes on the display monitors to your left and right. I never noticed that, actually. I didn't either until I was playing through it again. Spoiler. spoiler. And so one example you can get, if this is how they want to write it when he goes KIA, it could be kind of like, and this is a, this is an Alex thought. Theory. Theory. Alex three. Hit me with it. So you know how in Ghost of Onyx, they go to that kind of other forerunner realm? Mm-hmm. That could be a potential thing where she's kind of commuting, communicating through that. Uh, and if he is leaving his body, technically, and ascending. Hidden
2: Experia has a, a theory on it. I watched it once, but I don't think I agree with it. It, it's, it. As I said, I don't remember much, so I'm just assuming I don't agree with it. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I, I personally was chalking it up to bad writing. I'm chalking it up to I'm saving the writers. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm glad you're part of the writers' guild, and yeah. So, so we we start seeing that, and and that never stops throughout the game, and it's definitely one of the most disliked aspects of Halo Three because it's it's they could I think it could have told the story of searching for Cortana a little better, mm-hmm. but that's just me. So whatever. So as you move on, uh, Johnson, you know, you split up from Johnson earlier. And Johnson tells you over the comms that there are pelicans waiting for you by the river. But after a quick firefight, Banshees take them out. And your next objective is to find Johnson's crashed pelican, which another spoiler alert is that Johnson gets kidnapped like 17 times in this damn campaign. Yeah,
0: never get on a pelican with Johnson because I think this happened in all of the games... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, just it, don't fly with him. Yeah, don't fly with
2: him because then you get captured. So yeah. Or dead. Yeah. So after, you know, this you encounter the the quote unquote sniper jackals for the first time.
0: Yeah, and this this is really where if you're a legendary player, this is where, you know, it starts to starts to really come down on you. Yeah. Because because yeah, you're going through basically like, like an alcove woods area with various different positions of those Jekyll snipers. And if you're easy difficulties, they're a little bit easier. Obviously, they're not, like, one-shotting you. But as you go through, you got to be tactical. you got to yeah. work it.
2: So, yeah, eventually you make your way through more Covenant after this, and then you find yourself kind of at—it's it, a train station that it's at. And you and the Arbiter are watching a chieftain push Johnson into a kind of a makeshift jail. And Arbiter says, you know, this is a trap, so let's set it. So after, you know, this is the first time you actually face a brute chieftain if you don't take him out in a pelican in an earlier part of the mission. But You can also just snipe him over there and finish it. Yeah, and this is the first time you're you're basically able to kill it, like, officially, like how how he should have been killed. And afterwards, once you save Johnson, the rest of the Marines are dead within that jail cell. But after you you finish off everyone else, these pelicans take out these two phantoms and you make your way out of the level. And that's the end of Sierra 117.
0: And to backtrack just a little bit, I mean, like you said, seeing the brute chieftain for the first time. And if you don't know, just to kind of snipe them out over there. And this is really the first time that you're really going against a gravity hammer. Mm-hmm. and when you when you get up to this this kind of walkway between the, the, the dam there mm-hmm. and get over it, that's when you kind of first meet that brute chieftain and have to deal with him there while you have everything going on. It's a really cool moment in there. And if he turns on invincibility and you don't know about it, you shit your pants a little bit. Yeah, then you have to go out of your way to kind of dodge that as he sprints towards you because mm-hmm. he's going for you. And then one of the things that Jesse missed, which is— ridiculous that he would even overstep this is a little bit about hashtag walkthrough uh, the iron skull. detailed walkthrough the hashtag detailed walkthrough yes. is the iron skull is available here and where it is is behind where johnson is captured you climb up on some stuff you take that stuff up even higher into the windows and then you get the skull in that area
2: Yeah. So definitely, I know you guys just heard that and you're like visually like, I know exactly
0: where it is. So you know exactly where it is. (laughs) You know, you don't got to watch any videos on it that make it very, very easy. Mm. You'd rather just have some really bad audio retelling of it. (laughs) And that's what we're here for.
2: Exactly. So yeah, let's move on to some additional trivia for this this, uh, mission. I know we had initially said that there were supposed to be vehicles, but then they turned this into more kind of like a quote unquote, ease into mission, especially for any new players who didn't know anything about, like, the, the physics of the vehicles at the time.
0: Well, it's great because it allows them, like you said, to kind of jump into it by fighting brutes at first, so, like, you are fighting your kind of main enemy, mm-hmm. but you keep finding like, little patches of them and you're kind of getting used to getting these little firefights all over, so it really does make sense. Yeah,
2: and then also in 2008, a user UAWE, OT42 issued a challenge to get into the cage at the the train station at the very end because there's this kind of like area that's just blo- or blocked off by like bars like a jail cell. Mm-hmm. 9 years later, Termacious Tricosity, a YouTube channel, posted the video of this challenge finally being completed. And it looks like it took a while. I didn't watch the whole video. I kind of watched like this, it, like the times mm-hmm. the, the the sped up version. It looks very hard. I w- I will never attempt this. What few kind of like little things I've tried in the past
0: of breaking the map that should have been easy but were very difficult for me. This is out of my realm. I love this type of stuff though, because I mean this this is what led led us to like sword canceling and getting outside the map. And uh, when you get to the uh, Master Chief Collection within Halo Two. There's so many different map breaking areas that they rewarded the player by making achievements to go find these little dolls mm-hmm. they made of like different characters in the game. Yep.
2: So, yeah, also, you know, some more kind of Easter egg stuff is that, you know, the the famous caveman family can be found in this mission. And this all started from a joke in an email chain where Mark Leto's face, he is a developer at uh, Bungie, was photoshopped onto a gorilla. So, I it's still, Bungie still kind of has that adolescence of like taking email chains and turning it into these Easter eggs within the game.
0: It's great because they're just inside jokes that are making their way in. And uh, also, hashtag detailed walkthrough for this it's in the jungly part where you jump on some stuff and you have to jump across to some stuff. And then when you're there in a more open area, mm-hmm. you can see them. Exactly. So let's move
2: on to the second mission, Crow's Nest. Clear the base, whatever it takes. So, the pelican that you're on carrying Johnson and the Arbiter makes its way to Crow's Nest, and you see a group of Marines shocked at the sight of Chief, all except for one that literally is bandaged over the eyes.
0: And what I love about this part, too, is this beginning cutscene mm-hmm. when you're coming in is like super reminiscent of Star Wars. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it, it's uh, of the first one, right? New yeah. Hope? Yeah, because you have the, the, the
2: guys in the towers kind of watching you come in.
0: Yeah, kind of watching you yeah, as the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. kind of comes in and lands in there. And it's that same, almost the same setup, which is definitely, I'm thinking, homage. It's really great. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to think so. But, yeah, so then you you uh, Chief makes
2: his way into the uh, into the base and meets back up with Miranda. And, you know, you see everything's, you know, it, it's kind of seeing, like, the defense that's going on in Earth right now. Mm-hmm. And Lord Hood comes in on over a screen. And Miranda and Hood start kind of devising the plan of, like, what Earth's going to do for this this last-ditch defense. But in that, all of a sudden, the the whole station, the power goes down, mm-hmm. and the prophet of truth appears on the screen. On all the monitors that are yeah, there. Yeah, uh-huh. And this is the first time we hear that new voice actor. And it's kind of a little bit off-putting because before you had kind of like this – sounds like a young guy, kind of cunning. And now it kind of just sounds like an old man rambling and – My little gripe with that, I wish there was some kind of explanation, but oh well.
0: Yeah, but even so, like let's say now that he is kind of this head prophet that's dealing with Earth, he's kind of like... Gone insatiable with his power because he knows he's getting close to the ark. You can yeah. just say something like that.
2: That's all it took. That was a line, mm-hmm. but whatever. Again, it's it's not going to make or break the campaign. But yeah. So afterwards, he you know he says like we're you know y'all are still doomed at this point. And so then that's when we learn that Crow's Nest is under attack. And this is where the mission actually, you know, finally starts.
0: Yeah. And and so that, that last kind of scene, you know, it brings those one-liners back because, you know, she, they're asking, like, you know, Marina asks, like, where should we go to? She's like, to war. Yeah. She cocks cocks the little magnum and says, yeah, cocks, to war. cocks it back, gets it going. So to start this off, a little bit of that hashtag detailed walkthrough, uh, this is where you can find the black eye skull. Mm-hmm. And so to find this, whenever you start the level, on this left side, you see some air vent stuff and yeah. You know, things up there that go into ceilings. So, what you do is you climb the first set of staircases, jump on top of a container, jump onto the first set of ceiling thingies, then jump onto the big air duct, and then walk down, and the skull's there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hashtag get to walk through. Yeah. So, so after you get that and you get all your skulls set, this is where you, you kind of kid up and you can mm-hmm. first kind of select your weapons because mm-hmm. you go down the base. You can pick between, you know, your battle rifle, your assault rifle, your magnums, your SMGs, and get kitted out mm-hmm. and walk your way through this bunker where Marines are kind of setting up. Mm-hmm. This is one of those first levels that really, really pushes that backtracking idea mm-hmm. of creating, like, one linear level but having you go to different areas. Yeah. Because your main three-ish areas are your control center, the hangar, and kind of the tunnels and everything in between Yeah, it. yeah. So, yeah, you make your way out, you make your way through down, you know, some highway tunnels um, to assist what's going on in the hangar. And along the way, you fight your grunts, you fight your brutes, and you come to the door that leads towards where the hangar is. Yeah. And this is where you first see some troublesome jackals in there as well, because you have some sniper jackals down that way.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but after you make your way through there, that's when you find yourself in that first, like, hangar or LZ. Mm -hmm. And you have to clear that. It's the first time we see the mounted turrets, too. Yeah. So it's uh you, you clear you clear the LZ out for them and then you're reported now that you have to come and then instantly it's like, okay, come back to the control center
0: now. And you make your way back. Yeah, and one of the cool things that uh you know, on your way, if you go off the beaten path in mm-hmm. kind of the highway ish area, so I believe if you go left from there, uh you can get an Easter egg from the Rooster Teeth team. Uh which depending on the difficulty, the conversations will be different, kinda of like with Johnson. And they have they have different characters. Yeah. Or different, different people from Rooster Teeth. Yeah, but, but I believe it's Gus behind the door who's, like, not letting this Marine in because that mm-hmm. Marine needs a password. And, like, all that kind of dialogue changes and that Marine mm-hmm. never gets the password.
2: Yeah, it, it's all kind of the basic thing, though, of just, like, a Marine's trying to get in and another Marine is just like, well, you don't have the password. And it's all, like, a different explanation as to why they don't have
0: it. Yeah, and, it, and it's just, like, it's just a fun Easter egg that, you know, brought the Rooster Teeth guys in because, you know, obviously with them having Red versus Blue and mm-hmm. being, a, you know, a big push... For a lot of people to play Halo, uh-huh. you know, a lot of them in there, which is really, really cool. Yeah.
2: And by the way, we will be doing a Red versus
0: Blue episode. We, we get asked that probably once a week. If we're doing a Red versus Blue episode, we absolutely will be doing it. Yeah, one. It's, in, it's in the chamber. Research has been started. We just have a couple things that we want to try and figure out before we try and really push logistics on that.
2: Mm-hmm. We really want to make sure that it is icing on the cake for you yeah. guys.
0: So so after you deal with Gus and Jeff, uh, <laughs> you, you make your way back towards the command center because Miranda's you know, calling you back saying mm-hmm. that we're having trouble down this way. And so, yeah, so on your way to the control center, uh, you make your way back into that room that I was saying the Marines were preparing in, mm-hmm. and you have a Marine just be like, what's up, chief? How's it going? I'm looking through this, this window here. Yeah, so it's a cage kind of yeah, cage, so, ca- like chicken wire. Chicken wire, basically, you can't shoot through. But, yeah, so he's standing there, and then down drops a drone. Uh And he tries to pick him up. And you can save this guy if you shoot that drone. But yeah, drones start flooding in through Mm -hmm. this burst air duct. Because you kind of heard before when you're making your way back, this Marine's like, oh, I can kind of hear something going on. Yeah,
2: they're kind of like hinting. Yeah, and this is the first time we see drones within Halo 3. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so once you take them out, you make your way back to the control center where the mission started. And now we see a big-ass bomb in the center. And Miranda Miranda tells uh, Johnson to put out his cigar, which I think in retrospect, like, no, yeah, but it just kind it's of like, like an
0: atom bomb that it needs a detonator. It, like, put yeah, that out.
2: Yeah, she's like, oh, put, put put that bomb out, or put that cigar put out. That bomb out. Yeah, put that bomb. That too. But yeah, so she, you know, she now says, you know, we, we're, you know, the, we're gonna blow the space so everyone needs to get out of here. But then Johnson also tells you that Brutes have made their way into the barracks, and he's like, they, you know, what they do to prisoners, so you have to make your way then through you you kind of go towards where you went the for that first path but you change yeah. it up a little. Bit. yeah
0: so instead of going downstairs where you got mm-hmm. your weapons and started going through uh, mm-hmm. that area you actually go upstairs where there's uh-huh. another door to go through
2: yeah and in uh it within, within all of this happening we see cortana again as you're making your way through kind of these tunnels and cortana appears and says you'll be called upon to serve everything's stopping now within these tunnels as you have to drop down to a lower base. Yeah. So so the first one you drop down is just where Cortana starts. Yeah. And then the second one, this will be hashtag detailed walkthrough, you have to kind of push yourself towards the wall and you'll find yourself in a little room. There you'll find the grunt birthday skull.
0: Yeah, you have to you have to inch off. And then like before you fall all the way down, there's a tiny little duct, I guess. Yeah. And it's in there.
2: Yeah, so afterwards you meet up with the Arbiter and fight through the base and make your way to the barracks saving the Marines. This is the first time you hear that, that brute theme song or the the brute track that plays there. Mm-hmm. And we see that that uh, that yellow brute chieftain for the first time. This is actually a really, really fun part of the mission. It's probably my favorite part of this mission.
0: Yeah, and so as you're, you're fighting your way through this to kind of make your way back again mm-hmm. uh, to kind of the center point, as you're going through these kind of winding, they're all kind of barracks, I guess, as, as you go through, because mm-hmm. this is also where you brought up before, you can do multiple paths that take you to the end. Because mm-hmm. you can jump up into the air ducts yeah. and kind of worm your way around and either drop down on on some brutes from above or go into like the shower areas, another part you can kind of jump in and safely knock some brutes out and continue your yeah, yeah, way yeah. along. Um, to get to the end, and like you said, and fight a chieftain. and I think at kind of each end point, which is kind of like a yeah. level progression for it. Yeah,
2: it's... And it's also you know the chieftains. This is when you see the yellow one with the kind of like V headdress. It's really cool. Yeah. So afterwards, you make your way into an elevator with what marines you were able to save if you're on normal, and then you make your way up into an elevator and into kind of that dock where you first landed in the cutscene in the mm-hmm. mission. And this is where we see jetpack brutes for the first time mm-hmm. and fight them. Afterwards, once you kind of get done with them, which is actually kind of a really fun fight to to do. I really enjoyed that part. You now have to make your way back to the control center because Johnson is like, hey, um, for the 17th time so far, I fucked up and they (laughs) overran us. Yeah, we lost
0: that. Now we lost this. Uh, Bombs deactivated, by the way.
2: Yeah, bombs deactivated and brutes have the control center. Mm -hmm. So then you have to make your way in the control center. I like if you sneak in there, the prophet of truth is talking to the brute chieftain Mm -hmm. there. Which is really cool until, like, the second you interrupt it, then he disappears. But to hear the conversation, I don't think that's probably the only time we can kind of see truth within real time actually interacting with another character. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. But once you take out all the brutes in that area, then you have to activate the bomb with uh, Johnson's cigar. (laughs) <laughs> and then you make your way yeah now you, you have to turn make... it in twist it and it goes <laughs> bomb armed yeah so then all of a sudden the whole place is shaking and the, the bomb is armed so then you have to make your way back through the original path that you did at the very beginning of the mission back to that kind of loading dock
0: yeah and this is where kind of, and this is kind of where they first start that like screen shaking everything kind of going off mm-hmm. lights flickering cuz you make your way in and there's just a bunch of grunts in there that when you first open the door, like they're super surprised, but then there's like, uh-huh. no one tries to engage you for the most part. They're all running away. They're all running away because you're making your way to the hangar to uh, get out of there. Yeah, and once you do, you know, you do make your way into the hangar.
2: As you make your way into that elevator, Cortana appears saying, this place will become your home. This place will become your tomb. And the screen fades to black as you see fire above consume you in the room. Now, some some cool trivia about this is that, the alarm sounds that go off in the base are the same alarm sounds in uh, Halo Combat Evolved Pillar of Autumn mission. so a little callback, like lots of little parallels that they're really trying to bring you back from their roots. I like it. They're they're uniform with alarm sounds. I enjoy it. I mean, the budget was low, so it's like, how can we reuse some assets here?
0: No, it's, it's, yeah, the budget (laughs) was very low. No, it's great. I, I, I love little stuff like that. Like you said, it's a callback, but it's also just kind of like, that's our alarm sound. It's cool.
2: Let's move on to the third mission: Savo Highway. Mount up, get to Voy. So you you wake up in a garage and you see that it's just like some stuff's on fire. Like basically the the bomb did what it was supposed to, which was fuck everything up. So then, and I think it's the first time you hear Nathan Fillion. Oh no, you hear him in in the first mission, but mm-hmm. Nathan Nathan's Fillion. Who is just an unnamed Marie, you know, tells everyone mount up, Chief Chief's gonna lead the way. So you get on some warthogs and a Marine opens up the 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 bay door. I so, guess. so
0: you have to, as I've learned, because I love this line, because if you just mount up, like people just kinda wander around, but if mm-hmm. you go hit it, you have Nathan Field goes, Chief knows what to do. Yeah, yeah. And then Chief. you go and then you go hop into a warthog mm-hmm. and Start the first of a few warthog missions. Yep, and this
2: is the first vehicle mission, Mm -hmm. actually. This one, this mission, I will say, there's nothing to me that stands out super unique about it. It has some unique points, but. It's a vehicle mission, so a lot of it is it's more, like, very open, so you're just trying to get through places. There's not as many, like, stop-and-go points. So so for me, it's kind of hard to, like, really have this one stick out as, like, a more unique mission. I,
0: I really enjoy it, though, because, one, it's very beautiful, mm-hmm. and it really shows off the first vast scale that they put into it. Now, mm-hmm. granted, if you see the overview, a lot of it's like this and kind of curvy like a snake. As As it goes through? As the
2: finger motion you were just making.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why I tell Jesse it's like a snake, (laughs) because we're so visual here. And you start to see destruction of, like, the base and other stuff Mm -hmm. around you that's kind of, like, dictating your path. Yeah, because you're
2: in a kind of a tunnel system, and then you make your way out into the the opening.
0: Yeah, you basically exit out from kind of the entrance to what the base would be, and that's when you first run into some jackals and some grunts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and then as you make your way out, you hit, like, little pockets, like, there's you know, like the 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 sniper towers that have mounted turrets on them, mm-hmm. little pockets of of grunts with some brutes, and you pretty much do all of this up until you come to part of the highway that is broken. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, there's also points where like there's uh there's there's vehicle barriers. They have to stop, get out, and then bust through it, and then get back in and
0: go. So as as you make your way to your first barrier, that's on the highway. So there's these uh like like cement block. You kind of see on like a highway that divides a highway today mm-hmm. that are blocking it. So you have to get out of the Warthog with your Marines. You go across a little broken section and you come across a Marine encampment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of up in the hill in some bunkers yeah. that we see that they're defending. And it fight off the the waves of, it's kind of like a firefight. Sequence. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a firefight semblance to it. It starts off with like, you know, like a neutral wave of like mm-hmm. regular brutes with some regular kind of grunts. And this is where we first get to use the fuel rod cannon here. So you kind of mm-hmm. beat down a brute that has it, snag that up, and uh, defend it yeah go through a couple waves and you get like a higher chieftain to come out, and then eventually a wraith will come out mm-hmm. or skip all of that and just walk <laughs> past it, and then you come to a field where you have one of the sniper tower things, a wraith and two brute choppers mm-hmm. and If you take the guy down who has the fuel rod cannon, you can go ahead and just kind of make quick work of that wraith tank mm-hmm. and either ignore the choppers or deal with them, and then you make your way out and through this is where we see that that uh vehicle barrier that they have to go through
2: and kind of destroy the generator right and actually before you go through that there's kind of that pipeline right next to it if you jump over that and there's kind of like a rock ledge trail behind it
0: oh yeah 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 so yeah because you can there's like a little uh, almost like toll boothy building it's big yeah, And you can find, like, some equipment in there. You can find some trip mines, some other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so you can jump on the pipeline and, like it, you said, there's, like, an outcropping to the left mm-hmm. that you jump down on. You'll jump down to another section where the mm-hmm. skull is back there.
2: Yep, the tough luck skull. Mm-hmm. It'll be on the ledge. So, yeah, afterwards you 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 take that, that vehicle barrier, like, shield, that giant shield, and you have to make your way farther, um, fighting off more waves of Covenant. And I think this is the point where you... I think you first see them, or you like, you go in this giant field and there's like those wraiths and those t- there's like two wraiths and like three or four brute choppers around mm-hmm. the end of the highway. And that's a really fun part to actually go through and fight all that. It's challenging too.
0: Yeah, because sorry, I was getting both together. Because yeah, this is where you can jump down and get the brute choppers and make your way around. And like mm-hmm. you said, like deal with the choppers that are going around, deal with some gun turrets and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the two wraiths that you're more than likely you want to steal. Yeah, to make your way down the ho- the highway to where mm-hmm. the brutes have kind of set up this the same concrete barriers had to jump past when your warthog can get through. Mm-hmm. They have that set up, and this is where you're told to smash through the barrier.
2: Yeah, and you and if you really really try and you're really persistent, you can get that wraith through those those kind of cement barriers. Yep, and go yeah, all the way down. and and there's like a crash pelican there. You take out all the brutes there, and this is where we kind of see the end of the mission.
0: And you have, you do have to destroy the barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you
2: destroy that shield barrier at the very end. Mm-hmm. And so at that point you finally defeat the, there's a chieftain there and you defeat that. And then that's when a pelican comes down with Miranda. and you know now we see that the the fight for the ark or at least spoiler we they don't know it's the ark at the time this kind of portal.
0: Yeah, cuz or they they
2: they do they, they do think this is the ark.
0: Yeah, because at this point the destroyed uh Numambasa is pretty much a huge crater of, it's a dig site. Like the mm-hmm. whole thing is just torn out and you just see um, what we, we will see is the arc in the center with kind of like all of these different, you know, forerunner tech that kind of yeah. helps it.
2: Yeah. So they think, they think that this is the arc and they're like, we're going to make our way towards the arc and fight for mm-hmm. it. So this mission was actually supposed to be a lot longer, but due to production issues, it was shorter, which I'm kind of thankful for. Because as I said, it is kind of very lengthy and it, to me a bland mission, but I'm not complaining too much. It does have some fun parts.
0: I love it because one of my favorite aspects of the Halo game specifically, especially playing with friends, are the vehicle missions. Mm-hmm. They did vehicles so well in this, and it's so much fun playing with friends to kind of jump in that. And it's like, and you can strategize. Are we all taking choppers? Are we getting this warthog and taking it, you know, all the way we can go with it? You mm-hmm. know, what are we doing with this? It was just a really fun vehicle mission that introduced those choppers yeah. to play around with. Uh-huh. And they give you plenty of options to work with that. And like you said before, with the vehicle mass. Is like you can run down those ghosts, no problem. Mm -hmm. Chopper v chopper, you got to be pretty good with it. Yep. And then the like the tanks, you can't, but you can still ramp off of stuff. You can play around with it. Yeah. And you know, with our talk with Eric, he's one of he's the original one that kind of thought up the brute chopper Mm -hmm. and kind of brought it into fruition with what it is today. And you know, with our talk on with him on that was just really insightful to kind of see what all went into the build on that and to -hmm. make it. Still feel, like, brutish. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or they kind of say it's like a chop... Like some developers said, it kind of felt like a chop shop machine. Mm -hmm. Like some Forerunner tech, but with just some scraps thrown on it. Exactly. Yeah, so let's move on to... One of my favorite missions in this game is the storm. Reclaim the city, make a hole. So the mission starts, it's kind of, like, rainy, and you're riding with a battalion of warthogs with squads of marines in them. Mm -hmm. So I, like, already have, like, kind of this battle mentality... And you hear Miranda says that uh, Truth has found the ark, or what they think is the ark, and your mission is to clear all the anti-air guns so the UNSC can attack him from the air, kind of just barrage him. So you make your way to this this structure, and of course, all the marines are like, "Go ahead, Chief, we'll follow
0: you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is another one of those missions, not necessarily wash, rinse, repeat, but uh, kind of, but kind of, because you kind of you kinda get to these checkpoints that look very similar. Mm. Because as you open it to the left, you can kind of go up the stairs and to. Kind of like a command post, I guess is the best way to describe it, with some glass you can walk through. Literally glass, you could walk through. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is, and it's almost like like a, a, a prologue or like a training mission to what to do because like, all right, chief, push that button, open the doors, let us through. Yep, and uh, to get that started. Yeah, and you you make your
2: way. You're going through kind of these. You're going through buildings and tunnels. So the mm-hmm. first building, you go through this first building. You mount up with these marines, and after you fight some covenant, and you go to attack the first wraith and anti air wraith on kind of this beach, mm-hmm. which and this is the first time we see the anti air wraiths, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it, th- that cool machine that you see, you're like, I can't wait to get in that. And then
0: Bungie's like, nope. And yeah, and at this point, uh, so if you're able to, you bring the warthog through mm-hmm. and then it, they also give you two ghosts to use before you can kind of jump out there. So it yeah. gives you the mobility because the best thing to do is as soon as you leave to the left... There's a group of grunts and a brute that's just kind of running away. Yeah, kind of running. and You just got to plow them
2: down. And you always get to go for them. Mm-hmm. I will say I did not like the physics of the ghosts before Halo Reach because it's like if you try to get to a sharp turn, you can't with that. I'm glad like within Reach they kind of like changed that up.
0: Yeah, little, little, little tweaks.
2: Yeah, so as well as like on the beach, there's this kind of silo or it's like kind of like this water tank off to the right. That is where you can get the catch skull. Uh, there's a lot more details that go into that. Like you need to get it before you kill those wraiths. Because yes. if you because if, if you kill
0: those wraiths, it disappears. If the anti wraith dies, you cannot get it. Um, and the ways to get it, you have to go on top. Uh, you have to wedge a warthog in there and ride a ghost up it or kind of grenade jump explosion off of it. Nothing I will ever do. So, yeah. it's S- sorry. Yeah, you just got to make sure that you don't kill that anti-air wraith. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'll despawn.
2: Yeah, but so after you do that, you kill the anti-air wraith, all the ghosts, and the regular wraith, you go into kind of that wash, rinse, repeat sequence. You go into that same kind of building. This is where you see a chieftain. And, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like, they're all kind of there waiting for you. So you fight through a chieftain and the rest of these brutes. And then as you make your way down into this new kind of open area, we see drones coming again. Mm -hmm. And once you fight through them, you open up a tunnel. And this time you have a bunch of marines
0: on warthogs with rockets. Yeah, And and this is the fun-ass part. Oh, yeah. Because this is where, like, you know, you you kill off anything that's there and, like, you see that there's a bunch of mongooses. mongoose, Yes, yes. The mongoose as, you know, like, as... Ducks fly together, geese ride together. <laughs> um, as you get to your mountain geeses, uh, yeah, you notice that like a lot of them are strapped with guys with rocket launchers just chilling on the back waiting mm-hmm. for you.
2: And you're, Which, by the way, always drive, never let a marine drive, because you will flip off the edge of the, the cliff or the beach always.
0: Yes, and it's fun to try that because the AI doesn't understand like the driftiness of it. So they'll try and like stop and turn, and then mm-hmm. you'll just kind of skid and just flop over the tide. Halo
2: side. 3 AIs when it comes to driving are abysmal absolutely abysmal. I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So you make your way onto the beach and you do what you did the last time. You take out the anti-air wraith. You take out the regular wraith and some ghosts and you do this kind of prolonged battle for a minute.
0: Yeah. You've got some choppers. You've got Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit of whatever the company can throw at you. You've got some drop ships that drop even more down. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gets quiet and then all of a sudden a
2: scarab shows up and this is the first time we see the scarab uh, in Halo 3 Mm -hmm. and it is really kind of intimidating because I like the idea more that it crawls over buildings instead of goes through them because it's like it's more nimble. It's more, I don't know. It's kind of like mischievous that way. Like the well, fact that it can make its way through almost kind of
0: silently. And like you said, it's more living, and instead of being like a, like a working machine, because mm-hmm. like when they're just like using it as a machine or a tank, you just plow through stuff to get the next thing. Mm-hmm. But if it can kind of almost think, it yeah. knows to like kind of creep over so you have high ground and you know all this other things. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and in this mission, you can do what everyone should do. Is There's kind of this, like, small elevator there. Just get on top of the elevator and jump onto the scarab. That's what I always do.
0: Yeah, so you have various options with it, and you kind of learn the mechanics. So you can mm. do that. And up that elevator, you also find a sniper rifle. Mm. And then you—I typically take the rockets from one of the Marines, so you kind uh-huh. of have that kit going in. Or— like we announced a little earlier, you have some of those missile pods mm-hmm. set up. Once destroyed, but once mounted. If you go on the mounted one, you can actually lock onto the legs. Mm-hmm. So in Halo 3, if you are able to take out enough damage on a leg, it actually disables it and it crouches down yeah. enough for you to jump in. But if you don't do it in a timely manner, it'll actually recover. Yeah, that's a new way to do it. Just get on
2: the elevator and jump on top. Yes. And I want to say a good 40% of the time I always miss. So, But, you know, it's a learning curve. We 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 all got to yeah, start somewhere. "Quote unquote learning <laughs> curve." <laughs> Twelve years later, so yeah, you you do eventually. You have to go into the butt and take out the shield and take out the the core. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have to get off the scarab because if you're anywhere near it and it explodes, it kills you. That's also something like people don't realize. They're like, oh, I'm gonna stand by this and watch the explosion, and then it takes you out. So always stay away from it. I guess I'm talking to our presumed first-time Halo 3 players.
0: Yeah, he's talking to all the Jessies out there. If you don't understand
2: what explosions do, talk to Jesse. (laughs) So, yeah, afterwards you make your way into this kind of storage unit where you then see kind of these Marines kind of, like, battle damage from a
0: fight that just happened. Yeah, so this is kind of where, like, the sick and battered not sick. I mean, you know what? If you had a cold, you went there as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they, they were kind of defending this doorway. So they were kind of like the last resort, I guess, mm-hmm. if they were to try and get through. Um, you get shotguns here. So that's always fun. That is true. This is where you can get the shotgun, which is... Mm-hmm pretty good it's better than the shotgun too i would yeah. say and you fight a shit ton of brutes here Go yeah. through the storage
2: container you fight a lot but what i like is there's some some kind of like uh dock workers like in their hard hats running away but some are helping you
0: and this is is this the first time is it the first time that we see civilians in a game helping possibly possibly do not quote me
2: but if you do you're probably gonna roast me so whatever i think maybe in halo Two, but for sure this mission for
0: sure this is the mission where they're not necessarily even dressed as marines or like like Personnel. I would say anyone outside personnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this is the first time we see like dock workers. Helping. Yeah, yeah.
2: They just they're they're helping you, but then eventually some hunters make their way, and this is the first time we see hunters, and then they realize they're pretty useless at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you take take the two hunters out, and then you see this kind of like more of the 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 area where all this this storage units are
0: outside. Yeah, because it opens up, and and this is kind of leading into what a lot of Halo does. You're seeing. Now, to spoil as we keep talking, you're seeing this level from a, let's say, clean point of view Mm -hmm. where you're going through and you're seeing the level in this aspect before you have to turn back around in this level. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and, and to go back just a little bit, Cortana, of course, has to pop in, slow your roll down a bit when you're with them. Of course, because, state, and because states, why not? Oh, of course. And states, I am your shield. I am your sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then eventually you you kill this
2: chieftain and the rest of his brutes, mm-hmm. and you make your way to that anti-air gun, the big one. I think it's the first time we see that within it's, this, it, too.
0: Yeah, it's the first time you see something that's not a tiny wraith at this point, mm-hmm. comparative. It's,
2: it's a big anti-air uh, gun, and then you you kill all the surrounding covenant, and you take it out. There's kind of like this core that appears when it fires. Yeah. So then... After you take that out, the cutscene comes in and this is one of the coolest cutscenes that you've seen so far. Is you see all of a sudden these long swords and all these ships make their way towards that four dreadnought and you hear the I was gonna say this is this is where really where you think like Oh, we're winning. You're like, dude, like, hell yeah. And as the, f- you know, they're all firing, but then all of a sudden a portal opens and it mm-hmm. blasts everyone back. And you see the UNSC ships kind of just drifting
0: off. Yeah, because you're having everything from those, those long swords to all of, like, your battleships and carriers that were firing their Mac guns. They're just like, mm-hmm. almost as if you turn gravity off. They have, like, mm-hmm. no gravity. They're floating through space.
2: Yeah. And so then all of a sudden... You see like everyone's just kind of like it's like wow we just have we just suffered an L because then you hear Hood say what did Truth just just do? Did he activate the rings? And Miranda says no. And you see the Covenant make their way into this portal. Mm -hmm. So as they're getting ready to follow all of a sudden a Covenant ship comes out of slipspace. And you can see that there's something, it's got this... It's pretty stanky. Yeah, greenish kind of mist coming off of it. And Arbiter says, what is it, more brutes? And Chief says, worse. Mm -hmm. So then we know, okay, now we're going to see the flood. And that's the end of this mission. And now we start
0: Floodgate. Stop the infestation. Find Cortana. And you go back just slightly. I'm going to keep putting Cortana in this, just so we know how much Cortana talks to us. You know, as as that ship crash lands you know down onto earth you know Mm -hmm. down to that warehouse facility that you kind of came from you know before as that screen goes you know black from it you know katana then states this is the way the world ends Mm -hmm. and that that line holds some bearing that we will talk
2: about in our part two episode of this spoiler if you haven't read the title by now this is
0: part one of part two yeah so so like I said, with, with the interviews we've done, with everything, we wanted to give you guys as much info as possible. So this first episode will be the before, the middle, and the campaign of kind mm-hmm. of like how this game came about. Mm-hmm. And our second episode will be... Uh, everything me- else, yeah. The the, uh, the meat and potatoes of the everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we start to make our way back
2: towards that storage shed. And how you can get the fog skull here is... Off in the distance in the buildings, you're going to see this this flood combat form jump. You have to kill that. And if you kill it, that skull will fall and enter the street. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get it. So this is definitely... I've always tried to kill that thing. I've never been able to, but better players than I have
0: succeeded where I failed. So 99% of other people who've played it got skull? <laughs> no, if, if you know it, yeah, you'll see them kind of jumping on the rooftops. So mm-hmm. just be trained on that. Because um, it can slip away, and that's the only way to get it. It's similar to how... If you kill the anti-air wraith, it despawns. Mm -hmm. If you don't kill these guys, the skull doesn't drop. Yeah, so then you have to restart.
2: But yeah, so then as you make your way back towards the storage unit, there's kind of this almost ramp going down. You see Marines standing there. Now it's all, all of a sudden when a horde of Flood come down and infect them. And now yep. we have to fight the Flood for the first time.
0: Yep, and now, so that clean version we had, mm-hmm. we're now going with the stanky Flood version. Yep, stanky Flood. Going back out the way we came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you're making your way, you make your way uh, into the
2: storage shed from kind of this side area, and you see a Marine. This is where we see a Marine actually get attacked by Pod infectors and infected and turned into a combat
0: form, which is cool. It is. But if if you're good, it doesn't happen.
2: Oh bullshit. That
0: always happens. No, it does not. I'll we'll talk about this later. I'll put five dollars on it. Deal because I just
2: did it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, so then um well, uh, well I like is even like mid-transformation, you can kill it. It's not like this static thing. Like there's like several stages that happen, which was really, really cool to see within like the new kind of like the new things they featured in this game
0: yeah and and you can do that with any of of the uh, flood bodies that have fallen because here's the thing Mm -hmm. too not only can you know fallen brutes elites and uh humans be infected but so can fallen flood that's not destroyed yep so that's
2: why it's like you torch them or you have to like if you see some body parts they're sometimes moving and uh kind of those pod infectors can go in like reanimate them yeah so you just got to beat them and then they break yeah so then you make your way through that giant storage shed again and you see some brutes kind of fighting them off but all eventually getting infected so instead of going the traditional route you have to go into of this office building and go down and as you go down a message from cortana appears again and she's kind of in distress and she says chief i can't tell you it cuts off and she says it's not safe the grave mine it knows i was and then it cuts off again so now it's not these weird cryptic messages. Now we're seeing Cortana distressed or like in pain.
0: Yeah. And now because like the whole thing was like, why would the flood, we will learn, how, why did the flood come so far out this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once you make your way out, you hear
2: Jaw's voice come over the comm and some drop pods come in and now we're we're fighting with elites for the first time.
0: Yeah. And, and, and this is where we, you know, this is where Halfjaw's like, you know, like, we'll handle that down there. You get you know to the point you have to go mm-hmm. so you have the option you can jump down right away and mm-hmm. fight with the elites or you can be smart and just take the walkway yeah, and skip can just most like, of it nah son i don't want to do that and, and this is where we we foresee pure forms it is right and, and and right before you get to that if you do make your way all the way down uh, it's that same exact lift that you took to get the sniper mm-hmm. there's a sword there a sword I, I a sword, did not know that. sword and a plasma rifle good to know yeah. Okay. Well, I'll remember that next
2: time I play this for whatever reason. But yeah. So then <laughs> we we see that the elites are talking and they're like, "How did this? Uh, how did this ship get through our all our hundreds of ships?" Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the elites says uh, to the arbiter, "Like they're evolving." Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing how like they're working this ship and making their way through, and they're now on Earth, and everyone's kind of
0: shitting their pants over it, even the elites. Yeah, which which is is huge for people who you know before could say you know they're like we can best this. We have energy mm-hmm. weapons, we have energy swords, like we can handle all this and we have energy shields. Mm-hmm. All energy all the time. <laughs> and uh and so yeah, for for that to like really happens is 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 tough. Mm-hmm. And so after after we fight the combat forms and everything, we get actually to the crashed ship mm-hmm. and make our way in. And this, as soon as we kind of step in and get through, mm-hmm. you know, this is where we have grave mind in us now.
2: Yeah, so now we're we're dealing with that annoying shit from Cortana now to grave mind, where the ski the screen kind of gets skewed and it goes green.
0: Yeah. So instead of just having Cortana come across, we get a big old fat FOV change yeah. and some green slime stuff. And he says, Do not be afraid. I am
2: peace. I am salvation. And and you're you're going into the ship not only to destroy it, but because you learn that. Cortana's in there. Johnson comes over and says, Cortana's in that ship. You need to go get it. So you go in there and you make your way to this kind of this podium. Well, actually, the Grave Mine also says to you, I am a timeless chorus. Join your voice with mine and sing victory everlasting.
0: Yeah. And this is the first level. I believe you get to go through some sphincters
2: yeah you go through those very infamous flood sphincters. But, flood buttholes, yeah, you you are the poop that comes out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you make your way to this this glowing podium, and you and this is where cortana is, and you and all of a sudden you you grab this kind of p s p yeah, you grab this p s this purple covenant p s p and all of a sudden. 343 comes down and kind of like starts zapping it's like i need i need to fix your construct and chief's like hold up last time i saw you you tried to kill us and he says nah that was foolish of me like you still killed the flood i now serve you so you guys Mm -hmm. you and 343 make your way into this pelican and then in the background you can see just the 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 elites glassing the continent Mm -hmm. because of the the flood outbreak that's happening so while they're on the ship, three four three. The on the ship, it's in a room. It's half job Miranda, three four three guilty Spark, Hood, Chief, and the Arbiter. And they're standing around this table as three four three guilty Spark is trying to repair Cortana. And then they learn it's not actually Cortana; it's a message. Mm-hmm. But she says, "You know, listen. The the Grave Mind knows about the Ark. That's why he's making his way to Earth to get through this portal." She says, "But there's a solution on the other side of the Ark." And I like we see some tension now between everyone because Hood's like. We're gonna stay here, like we defend like, Earth, yeah. yeah. Cortana's clearly crazy, and half jaw's like, No, like the if you don't fight the flood, have one. And even Chief steps in and says, Cortana has a solution, I'm gonna go find it,
0: yeah. And and this is where we start to see the tension between Hood and half jaw, who they kind of have that, like, we're one in the same type thing, just mm-hmm. kind of on different sides. And Hood says, You know, like you're glassing half the continent, like, like what mm-hmm. are you doing? And he goes, If you keep the flood here. Like, they'll wipe the species out. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, if the Arbiter didn't stop me, I would have just glassed your world.
2: Yeah. So, like, you you see that tension, but they still have to work with each other because they know, like, overall the Covenant are evil and the Flood are evil. Mm -hmm. So within the next cutscene, we see the elites and the UNSC banding up together. And, you know, Arbiter's carrying some UNSC weapons to the elites, and Johnson's carrying some of the Covenant weapons over to the UNSC and like even the elite see Johnson carrying their weapons, and they kind of like
0: stand almost like attention. Yeah, it's it's such a cool scene because they're they're in like the bay of the Covenant ship, and so yeah, you're seeing like mm-hmm. there's Covenant vehicles, there's UNSC vehicles. Yeah, Johnson's carrying over some carbines and a mm-hmm. beam rifle, and yeah, like both sides are like whoa whoa, are we we're actually yeah. working together type thing? Yeah, and- they
2: can't they kind of can't believe it, but they have to. Yeah, and and then that's when uh we see Hood leave on a pelican, mm-hmm. kind of saying... Because people do have to stay behind to defend Earth because there still is Covenant on Earth. Yeah,
0: and and, and he is the face of it. So, mm-hmm. like, he has to kind of be there for it. Mm-hmm.
2: And then, yeah, so they all these Covenant ships go through the portal and they go on to the next mission. So now we're at the next mission, the Ark. Search the waste for the cartographer. And this is... Also one of my favorite missions. I love this mission. This mission is so damn fun.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I see why you like it. Why do I like it? Because it's lame. <laughs> no, 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 no. I really enjoy this mission, too, because, once again, you get a cool-ass vehicle mission. It's, it's a vehicle mission, but there's also a, a good amount of, like, not having to be on a vehicle. Because there's a lot of it, corridor spaces. So you just, you hate vehicles. I enjoy vehicles. I see where we are. No, 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 no. I, I'd, if the vehicle mission
2: is boring, assault on the control room, then yes. Hell, <laughs> touche. <laughs> so, yeah, the elite ships appear above this. We don't know it at the time, but it's the Ark. Mm-hmm. And we hear, like, you know, the famous line, the, bru- the brute ships out us three to one. It's like, then it's an even fight. Yeah. Or fair fight or whatever. I know, I know Sky Jackal yelled us for that. But, and then as that fight is ensuing, Chief uh, is in a Pelican with Johnson and some ODST. And they learn that truth is on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this mission this whole entire time is to kill truth because no truth, no covenant. So you make your way down. And I like that you can see, like once you get out of the Pelican, you can see the Milky Way out in the distance. Which is pretty cool. To, like even like a uh, odst like points it out. It's like is that is that the you know like look at that and they're like hey snap back at it. But yeah, so you make your way in the ground and you get a sniper rifle and you sneak your way up and you start battling the covenant there. Mm-hmm. Once you make your way through that these first initial waves, you make your way through some caves and you see the the they they're starting to make another anti air wraith or anti air gun. Yeah, and like as you start fighting everyone, there's a phantom. With like the the gun
0: on it that kind of flies away, like I like, like yeah, it was like placing the top yeah. of it, which is really cool because you had those Jekyll snipers mm-hmm. kind of around the perimeter of it. Mm-hmm. So this is another area where you kind of have to deal that if you don't play it on normal. So then you eventually
2: fight through more Covenant, kind of like another wave, and you make your way inside this this forerunner structure. And then as you make your way out the back of it, there's a marine waiting there for you because there's a bunch of covenant surrounding this kind of crashed pelican mm-hmm. so you go down there and you take them all out this is the first time you see the prowler come in or there's actually two prowlers that yeah come
0: in. yeah because you're in the dunes and you go to this crashed pelican where you can get like sniper rifle rockets you know all type of stuff and they'll come in and shoot at you and basically their their thing is they come in and dock not dock i mean they come in and park yeah because if they throw in a park with their their sweet parking (laughs) brake. And uh, anyway, they hop out to Mm -hmm. kind of start the fight. But if you rocket them, you can take that or you can steal one Mm -hmm. and take it on to where you kind of go over that dune and you see that there's a number more Mm -hmm. vehicles you can kind of pull from, from ghosts, choppers, a bunch of other stuff for you.
2: Yeah, and within this ensuing fight, you eventually have to make your way to this this LZ that's at the top of this kind of forerunner structure. And that's where you meet up with Johnson and he's like, all right, we need to go take out all the anti-air wraiths that way, the forward onto Dong can come and land. Mm-hmm. So then you make your way
0: towards that way. And see, this is a vehicle mission, and I've liked it all so mm-hmm. far, just so mm-hmm. you know.
1: All
0: right, so for some hashtag detail walkthrough for the arc, mm-hmm. uh, so you're looking for the Famine Skull. Biggest thing you need is you need a de- deployable cover, um, and you can get that by killing the brutes at the beginning and getting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Sergeant Johnson tells you on the other side of the wall, follow pelican around a rib structure And uh, once you get there, you see some, like, pillar thingies. It's pretty apt. Yeah, they hold stuff up. You know how it is. You have to grenade jump, but also deployable shield jump on a rock. You'll see it. You'll
2: see it. It's there. Yeah, you'll figure it out. You eventually make your way out to that. Through Fighting Through Covenant, you make your way out to that landing zone where you see uh, more anti-air wraiths. There's actually a lot of, there's, there's choppers, there's a... Uh... There's a number
0: of, of original wraiths. You've got <laughs> uh, a couple grunts mm-hmm. uh, on some mounted plasma turrets. Yeah. and There's, there's got to be strategy going into this part for sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely tough. And like uh, the higher difficulties you play, like, you kind of have to think that out because... You know, you've got the choppers, you've got the ghosts, you've got, you know, even just like Brute Shot all around. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot to deal with with that, but the payoff is one of my favorite and coolest scenes in there is mm-hmm. when you take that out, you know, Johnson kind of lands this Pelican right there, and gives you the go-ahead for the Ford under Dawn to land to mm-hmm. kind of come in, and it just it, it seems smaller at first, but the closer
2: it gets, the bigger and bigger it gets, and it starts blowing away all the debris and the destroyed vehicles. Yeah, it's so cool. It's cool, and it drops off some scorpions for you.
0: Yeah, so it's like, hey chief, we got some stuff the loading bay for you. Yeah, and you get I think it's three, three, three or four, yeah, mm-hmm. total,
2: and you drive one or for a scorpion mission, and this is where you kind of have three, four, three guilty spark guiding you. And you're just using it to take out literally everything. This is the first time I think you can take out a phantom, which is actually new. I forgot to add. That's new. Taking out phantoms. Yeah. We can now do that. So you you make your way through hunters and everything else. And you go back to that LZ where you met with Johnson. Mm -hmm. And then once you take out everyone, you go inside that structure, that building. Yep. And uh, through there, you have to activate this light bridge. That allows all the scorpions to be able mm-hmm. to
0: make it across that way.
2: Yeah. And then whenever you finally do go through, it's kind of this shit your pants moment because then you see a scarab walk from right over, over you. Yeah. But then at that point, you get on the scorpions. You dr- you go down to like kind of the, the giant Forerunner garage door, I guess, that lets them all... Out. and this is a giant vehicle battle area. You're kind of going down these hills and you're fighting these wraiths off in the distance and as this happens, that scarab returns. Yeah. And I,
0: of course, I love Johnson's like, oh, get behind Chief, he'll know what to do. It's like, no, fucker, help me. Yeah, because... Yeah, when you originally start this and, like, escape, there's that goss hog that mm-hmm. the marine drives over to you, and you can make your way down. There's there's a couple ways that are fun. You, you can drive the warthog right onto the scarab, because mm-hmm. there's kind of like a rampy building. You all know what I'm talking about. It's it's like a building has an interior, but then there's a ramp that goes up. Yeah, and so, yeah, you can take your goss hog right over on top of the scarab, or do the safe route and use a scorpion to kind of shoot the butt off, or shoot the legs down, shoot that scarab butt. Knock it off, shoot the plating that it has on there, and then take it out.
2: Yeah. And it's always risky doing it with the scorpion too, because when it lowers and you ditch that scorpion, sometimes you'll come back and it's done. Or what have what happens sometimes if you're directly under it, the uh the scarab will lower itself onto the scorpion, it, just destroy yeah, yep. it, or just low enough you get stuck and you can't then get it get it, like get it back after it's been damaged. But yeah, so after you destroy that scarab, you make your way up kind of this ramp back into a for a different foreign structure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, with a couple Covenant that you got to take out. And you have the option. You can force that tank on up those stairs.
2: As far as humanly possible.
0: Yeah. Or, like I did today, you can just walk it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, So as, as Guilty Spark tries to open this door with his blue beam, you have a, a Marine coming. He's like, oh, I can, I can take a peek at that if you want. I'll take a look. And he zaps the shit out yeah, of Yeah, Spark just looks up and zaps, and he's like, what the hell? And so Spark opens it and gets you through, and you make your way through. And this is where we come across... A room, as we're making it through, mm-hmm. and there'll be plenty of rooms around here. Yeah, lots of rooms. As i going to say, with our hashtag detailed walkthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what you want to do, there's rooms. Above that, you'll need a grav lift to shoot you into that room. And once you're there, cowbell skull. Cowbell, cowbell skull, just so you guys know. Just so you guys know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's once you're through that area, you'll go into the room with a bunch of sleeping grunts and a, a very saucy scene. Mm -hmm. I might say, in the back right corner of the room. You'll find the legendary
2: brute himself pissing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of lore behind this brute. I think we're going to do a whole episode
0: dedicated to who this brute is. It's really a whole episode. I mean, because honestly, who doesn't pee? Because <laughs> that's the big thing, and and that's what we want to find out. So,
2: yeah, so always kind of like I, I never expected that as a kid playing this. You're like, whoa, like, why is this brute pissing?
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a funny, weird moment of it because, mm-hmm. yeah, you have a bunch of like, I don't know, eight to 10 sleeping grunts around, mm-hmm. and then this dude in the corner is peeing, and it's like one of those times where you can just kind of go up and wallop them in the back. Yep. Which is rude as fuck, by the way. It's don't fine. do that. Slop, <laughs> slop him right in his own piss pile.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so then you make your way throughout these corridors within this Forerunner structure. And you find yourself out in this kind of open, I don't want to say bay, but this kind of open area where these controls are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you activate it and a, and a map comes up. And you find out that you it, know now you it's official. You find out what you're on is the arc spark confirms it like oh yep this is the arc you find out you're i don't know how hey, you're far enough away from the the milky it's like a couple light years away from the milky way i think it was i
0: think it was like two million to the 18th power or something like light years away
2: yeah let's let's i'll take your word for it i don't remember off the top of my head but then the covenant come and they attack so mm-hmm. you have to make your way back in the structure and make your way towards this lz and this is really cool because you to talk about that brute pack mentality. You make your way out into this kind of the same open area that you were, and there's a chieftain just kind of like resting on one knee, waiting for you. And there's a group of chi- uh, brutes surrounding him. So basically, it's a one-on-one battle. It's like, all right, like let's see who's who's the best here. You can you take him out, and then you take out the rest of the brutes too. Again, I, I thought that part was so cool. But yeah, so then once you defeat all the brutes in the surrounding area. Then Johnson's Pelican comes down, but then you see um, all these sentinels come up, and everyone starts freaking out, but 343 Guilty Spark is like, nope, nope, don't worry about them, they're fine. But yeah, so once you realize that those sentinels are safe, Chief gets on the Pelican, and the mission ends. Now, there is some actual lore to th- some of this mission. Mm-hmm. The final chieftain you fight in this mission is named Sethegis, and his final mission before
0: becoming the chieftain of the Brutes was going to kill the Master Chief. And, and Good it make, luck. Well, it makes sense, too, because, you know, a, as you come down, like you said, like you make your way down this area, and it's like a big open landing pad. Mm-hmm. And you have this brute there, like you say, he's kneeling, he's got the hammer, mm-hmm. and you have Truth kind of talking as well. That's like mm-hmm. you have to fight him by yourself. Like you have yep. to do this. Which you can screw that up if you want and just start attacking everyone else. <laughs> or if you want... You just turn around and punch him in the back before he can kind of get up. And then you get his invincibility in his hammer. And then you're like, let's go, bitch. Yeah, and you just wail it. And then a lot of those lot of those brutes have jetpacks, and there's a couple of jackals. But yeah, other mm-hmm. than that, you end it and you head out. And unfortunately, Sethegis, unfortunately failed. Got punked by Master Chief. He got punked. So now let's move on
2: to the covenant. Breach the barrier, stop truth. So this is the mission where you hear, you know, that dun 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 like awesome. And you're you in these uh, elites in the UNSC. It's just this cool kind of formation. They're this coming cool squadron, in, yeah, yeah. And so you learn that there's these three barrier generators. And if you break down, you know, disable these generators, you can get behind this this giant shield and get to truth because he's held up in this forerunner tower and he's trying to activate the ring. So as you're you're in a pelican and as you're making your way onto towards the beach the Pelican behind you is shot down by an anti-air wraith, mm-hmm. and it crashes into the one with Chief, and it's kind of a bumpy landing, not a crash landing, but a bumpy landing. Yeah. It's the first time you get that Spartan laser.
0: Yeah, and and so the, the big thing is, like, they take... The- each each pelican was carrying a warthog, mm-hmm. so they'd actually knock your warthog off. You land, yeah, Spartan laser, mm-hmm. and so this is the first time you get to use that and like figure out what it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's pretty cool.
2: You take out, you know, the you can take out the anti air wraith with it, or you, or there's also uh, turrets. there. Yeah, there's a couple turrets. Turrets there firing at you. So you can take all of that out. If you're noob like me and you don't know how to take over that anti air wraith, a pelican will come down once you've defeated all the covenant in the area, and they'll drop off a warthog for you. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to then make your way up this kind of hill towards this kind of beach mini pond area.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say After so. After fighting if, if, through a bunch of Covenant. It has a waterfall. That's waterfall number, I think, three. So well, if you're waterfall tracking, almost there you go. Almost every mission has
2: some kind of water in it because of, like, the advancements they had made with water textures
0: in Halo 3. So they wanted to put it everywhere. Yeah, you, you want to show it off. You want to see, like, the splash that mm-hmm. happens you drive through it. You want to see reflections. You mm-hmm. want to see all those things. So, yeah, it makes sense. And so you make your way down into... Kind of a... Ravine? Ravine. Probably ravine area, valley area. Mm -hmm. And this is where you now uh, stumble into some prowlers again. Mm -hmm. A wraith and turrets and a couple other enemies all around. Yeah. I I like this mission a lot, but it's definitely... This is a
2: complicated part. But once you you get through all of that, you make your way into the forerunner structure fight through more covenant and you make your way up into this elevator to
0: take out the first shield barrier. Mm-hmm. And each of these is very similar. So this mm-hmm. is each of these three shield generators. So it's supposed to be you, Arbiter and Johnson each taking all one th- out. Yeah. All, all into these different teams, which Johnson and a team, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah. One thing I will tell you uh, that's if, if you are struggling, if you're a Jesse, if you're a Jesse and you make your way up to the chieftain, just keep your Spartan laser and, and just take that bitch out. And just take a one shot on him. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so yeah, you make your way into the structure, and you, there's two options. You can kind of grenade jump and move barriers around to kind of skip a chunk of the level, mm-hmm. or you have to kind of wheel your way around onto this elevator.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, but once you get up to the top, there's a chieftain and a pack of mm-hmm. brutes. When you take them all out... Then you you shut down the barrier at these controls and then instantly Arbiter, because of course it's like Arbiter, his gets done immediately after yours. Second place, of
0: course. But
2: <laughs> but yeah, so then all of a sudden you learn like, uh-oh, Johnson's been captured.
0: Yeah, because Johnson's like, oh wait, you know we're under fire, we need this and da-da-da.
2: Yeah, so maybe not captured yet, but they're mm-hmm. under fire. So then you have to make your way to that third tower. You have to go out to the very front, to kind of that beach area where the mission started. Yeah, where you got your warthog. Yeah. And then you get Hornets, though, for the first Mm -hmm. time. And this is the first time we truly get, like, an actual aerial battle from Halo. And throughout all of this, you're fighting a lot of Banshees. And then even on the ground, there's some anti-air wraiths Mm -hmm. that you have to battle as well. After fighting through a bunch of Phantoms, Banshees, and anti-air wraiths, you make your way to kind of this tower structure area where Johnson was originally supposed to be before he got punked. So... You take out ev- all the Covenant there, but there is this kind of tower up the front. The Thunderstorm skull is up there. So that one's actually pretty straightforward. <laughs> like
0: I mean, you- honestly, you don't got to go anywhere else with our hashtag D-Said walkthroughs. Uh, yeah.
2: But yeah, so then we, you make your way into the structure with the uh, some elites backing you up. And this is this is exactly like the other structure for the most part. They, they do change it up with the enemies that are coming at you. Uh, you fight some hunters in there yeah. along with uh, some buggers.
0: Yeah, so this one's a bit tougher because in the previous one, you had just uh, high-ranking brutes, some grunts, some jackals. This one, you have two hunters greeting you mm-hmm. uh, with some brute support, as well as if you make your way to the right, out flood a bunch of drones. Mm-hmm. And then as you make your way up and around fighting a bunch of brutes and get onto the elevator, drones then descend down mm-hmm. on top of you and you have to deal with that or just like push the elevator button and just mm-hmm. pray that they go below you. Yeah, so then what
2: happened? you know, you get your way up to the elevator, it's that yellow chieftain, get through them, deactivate the barrier and then as Halfjaw makes a ship over that tower, like, all right, let's end this, High Charity appears. Mm-hmm. Like that city... That Covenant City from Halo 2 just appears. And it's got that yeah. what uh that flood
0: that flood stench you were calling it earlier? Yeah, it's got that stanky stench. Yeah, and that and stanky then it, stench. Then it shoots off uh some flood turds.
2: Yeah, some flood pods, and they and it appears in the room that you're at.
0: Yeah, it actually it actually pierces uh the glass. And to go back just a little bit, I believe when we're fighting that chieftain, this is the first time that we see brutes.
2: Yeah, there are some invisible brutes in there, which you're like, uh what the hell?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then you have to make your way down
2: outside, You know, fight through all these flood. You have to make your way to that, the, where the beach is, where that tower is, mm-hmm. and the UNSC will drop off a scorpion for you.
0: Yep, drops a scorpion, you get a warthog and a mongoose. So you, and, get,
2: you get the whole family. Mm-hmm. And you have this kind of reminiscent thing that you're going into kind of this snowy terrain like you're
0: on Assault on the Control Room. Exactly, and, it, and it's the same type of deal where you're fighting the flood, you're fighting the Covenant, and you're kind of me- making your way through very reminiscent to the last two stories of kind of having that same Mm -hmm. story arc of either dealing with the halos, kind of figuring out what the halos are, and working in forerunner structures. Mm -hmm.
2: So as you get to this kind of open area, you're on top of this giant ravine or you know cliff.
0: Yeah, you're on a ridge kind of overlooking an empty area, Mm -hmm. and then ahead of you is a giant kind of Mm towery forerunner structure. Yeah, and so
2: then two scarabs drop down, and you have multiple ways. You can stick in your scorpion, you can get in the hornets. This is definitely like a trickier part because inevitably if you ditch your vehicle— going to kill the first scarab it's probably going to get destroyed so then you have to figure out how to get a different vehicle to go to the next scarab but once you take yeah. those two out just shoot the legs out and mm-hmm. then shoot the butt you're supposed to make your way into the tower mm-hmm. but if you there's and i can't exactly describe the path other than with hashtag detailed walkthrough you make your way up this kind of uh, railing to the on side the of it yeah, on the left side and you know with everything calmed down if you get you make your way to the very very top that you can the Siege of Magical will play. Yeah, turn your volume up a little bit. And you turn around and kind of just see this open, vast area as the Siege of Magical will play. And it'll play as many times as you run up there. Mm-hmm. Discord user actually told us about this, so shout out to them. Well, I knew it, but you didn't. That's I cool. did Well, I didn't know about that, but either way, I thought that was really cool. So little things like that, Siege of Magical is like a minute, minute and a half track just piano but it really just kind of makes like just for a second you calm down within that environment and you see everything that's going on so then you make your way into the tower
0: yeah so 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 you land down at kind of the the entrance to it that you see it's it's, it's a kind of a vast opening but Uh as as guilty spark and as the arbiter land with you it forms a light bridge Mm -hmm. and you make your way across the light bridge into the structure
2: yeah and and right before you do cortana appears and she says it asked and i answered for a moment of safety i loosed damnation on the stars so then at that point you see the prophet of truth with his guards and johnson as a prisoner yeah so he's shifted to a cutscene. scene yeah we're in a cutscene now and you know johnson's trying to convince this brute to kill him
0: basically because prophet of truth knows he needs a quote-unquote reclaimer to activate the arc yeah and and i love it too because johnson's just trying to be cocky and really rile this brute up. He's like, mm-hmm. is that all you got? Like, yeah. that's all you can really do to me? Come mm-hmm. on, give me your best. Yeah,
2: but then a uh, pelican drops in and kills a few brutes, and you see Miranda
0: come out. She has a shotgun, and she's got that pistol. And whoa, whoa, drops in. This pelican flies through the window, okay, okay. shatters it, and just drags across the ground and takes some of these brutes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you see Miranda come out, And, you know, she's got a shotgun and she's
2: she starts fighting off the brutes. But then, you know, the Prophet says you can't take them all out. So that's when Johnson says,
0: "Okay, kill me then yourself, because if we're dead, we're useless. Exactly. So so she she pulls her pistol out because, first of all, she had one of those cool she's had somewhat cool badass scenes in this. The cool badass scene where she's got Mm -hmm. the shotgun pointing one way, handgun pointing the other way. Uh She's going to do some sweet Matrix spin and shoot. Yeah. And so as she's like pointing at Johnson and Johnson's like, it's okay, do it. She takes some spikes to the back.
2: Mm -hmm. And she falls over and we see the prophet of truth himself shot her. With a spiker, yeah. Yeah. And so clearly at this point Johnson's grieving. And he's broken, so he doesn't stop. Whenever the truth just takes his hand and puts it on the button, yeah, the yeah to basically activate the ring. So at this point, Arbiter and Master Chief have to now make their way to Truth. As they're about to, two Flood forms appear, and we're like, "Listen, enemy of my enemy, friend," kind of thing. So you team up with the Flood to stop Truth from activating the ring. And there's this very long hallway that, and a few like corridors. That you have to go through to get to truth.
0: Yeah, it's basically very reminiscent of the bridge in CE, where you mm-hmm. kind of there's like a, there's like a center point that kind of like blocks the way a little bit, and like little alcoves of it. Yeah, yeah you take the bridge, then you get to like certain like control rooms, little rooms between yeah. it, and make your way all the way across. Now there's a cert there's 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 these giant light rings
2: that are in the center. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna say the combination because you got to figure that out on your own, but. If you go through these rings a certain way, you're going to get the, I would have been your daddy's skull. It's,
0: it's like you have to go through like the eighth ring, the second ring, and fourth ring. Not well, exact uh, order. Don't tell them. It's hashtag teaching walkthrough. <laughs> so you understand what we're saying. And obviously, we want you to experience it just like everybody else. We don't want to reveal too much of it. Exactly. But yeah, jump through some rings, get to that, and then I'll appear on the light bridge is I would have been your daddy's skull, which is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. And
2: then you, you finally make your way and you see that truth is just kind of like laying there crawling because the flood have have taken everyone out mm-hmm. we also see johnson carrying miranda or no john yeah, yeah johnson's on the ground closes her eyes and says you know stop this so the arbiter makes his way to truth and you can see that truth is starting to become the flood but before that can happen you know he says i am truth voice of the covenant and that's when the arbiter says so you must be silenced, and stabs him in the back, and you hear the the violin screeching in the background. It's like it's just s- like
0: it's like gurgling death too,
2: which is uh-huh. great. It's such a theatrical moment, like mm-hmm. it, it is like. Oh, thank God, it's it's finished.
0: It is, and and it's great too because at the same time you have Chief deactivating it, mm-hmm. which is always such a mystery to me too. Like it's just like I guess I just put my hand here again. All right, now it's done. Yeah, cool. So, after he deactivates it, and after, you know, we let uh, the Prophet of Truth kind of slip onto the ground, you know, then we have Gravemind kind of bring his tentacles out.
2: Yeah, cool, because then Johnson carries Miranda to the Pelican, and Mm -hmm. as... As you know, they're going to start fly to, out. Yeah, yeah. The 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 grave tentacles come out. So then you grab onto the arbiter, or you grab onto the pelican. Chief does, and then the arbiter grabs onto Chief. But then grave tentacles knock you two off, and you have to make your way now back through that kind of that long hall, or like that Same long bridge, bridge yeah, way. and fight through the fight through the flood now, and they're infecting all of the covenant that, that you was just killed.
0: killed. Yep, yeah, and and as you make your way through, like you you start to see. You know, basically the carnage that you had. Mm-hmm. And luckily, if you have the Arbiter with you, if you're playing single, he's got a sword. At mm-hmm. this point, you probably have the hammer from taking it from there. And so as you make your way through the bridge and fight stuff, and as you're exiting, you have Cortana jump back in again and says, I'm a thief, but I keep what I steal. So mm-hmm. you, you keep going through, and then you see, basically at the at the end of the corridor, it's very similar to in 2, when you're going through the foreigner structure, you kind of, as the arbiter, like, open up these air vents that kind of mm-hmm. open up from there. It's like that. And you yeah. jump down this hole, and it cuts down. Cutscene um, starts. Um, so cutscene starts. Yeah, and, and Chief actually
2: sees Cortana walking towards something. And so he goes towards this kind of uh, control panel, and he hits it. And all of a sudden, we see this this kind of, you know, window open. And we see a ring emerge from the center of the arc. And I like that Chief just all he says is, How long have you known? And Guilty Spark shows up and he's like, I haven't really known, but I was hoping that this would happen. Yeah. So Chief says, We're going to light that ring. We're going to destroy the flood. And, you know, 343
0: three is like, Sweet.
2: Badass. That's what I need. Back in action, baby. So yeah. And then that's the end of the mission. Now, this is the longest mission in the trilogy due to the fact that it's a Covenant's final stand. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel as long as it is because
0: there's a lot of changes happening all the time in scenery and how you're fighting, what you're fighting. And I think really if... If they wanted to, they could have broken this into two, if not three, separate missions Mm -hmm. that could have been drawn out a little bit more. But it's really cool because you get to see so many different aspects of the world itself. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, vehicle combat. You've got various different weapons. You've got the Flood. Mm -hmm. And you've got what I don't think anyone would have expected for the Flood to team up. Mm -hmm. And that's what brings it back to the intelligence of, you know, they're evolving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, yeah, now we have... uh... One of the greatest missions ever created from the Halo franchise, Cortana. Cleanse High Charity, save Cortana. That was sarcasm, by the way. No one likes this mission. I I
0: was double checking with you because (laughs) you hate vehicle missions and you must love flood missions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we see that Chief takes a Banshee into High Charity and he lands in there and begins a search for Cortana. Now, I know that we kind of have this wash, rinse, repeat, or you kind of get lost within some campaign missions. This is one of them. This one, you get lost, you get confused, and it's really kind of almost difficult to give you an accurate walkthrough
0: of it. I I really enjoy this mission, though. Not so much for... I'm not a big fan of the Flood. I think, I think Halo mm-hmm. 3 did the Flood the best. Because it made them easier? One that, but I do like the different forms they get. I like that mm-hmm. it's not just fat blobs all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I really enjoy it because it does make it very hectic. Mm-hmm. And it makes it like, you kind of are lost in there. And wh- they've really done well with the flood for this one. Wh- wh- whether they made it easier or not, they at least made it feel overwhelming every time you run into Realistic. That. Realistic. Because over- you're, you're going down dead ends in these corridors. Yeah, and it's just however the flood formed in there. Yeah. Whether it's intelligent to form that way or not, it's still really cool, and you see some more buttholes. Yeah, make your way through a lot of buttholes. But yeah, as you make your way to the heart of the city,
2: you're searching for Cortana, and uh, the Gravemind begins to taunt taunt you and speak with you. And then as you're even, like, and also on top of this, you see Cortana, like, crying and breaking down. Mm-hmm. So you're really kind of, like, worried at this point. You're like, can I save her?
0: Is the Gravemind going to get to her? And I think what I really, really enjoy with that, too, mm-hmm. is that... This kind of happens with anyone who's trying to be more than they are. Mm -hmm. They may get angrier or louder. Mm -hmm. Like, the more that you know about it, the closer that you're getting to, like, defeating them. Yeah, and you see that. You see, like, Gravemind. Like, he, like, keeps throwing your FOV way out, but then, like, it's shakier and shakier and even Mm -hmm. angrier. Like, just more, like, intense in the voice, which is cool. Yeah, he's starting to get pissed because he's like, ah, wrong way.
2: Wrong way. You know, you play yeah. the hot and cold game. You're like, cold, cold. I swear, bro, you're cold. Yeah, go that way. <laughs> so, yeah, you you make your way through more and more corridors. Definitely, like, the scenery is pretty beautiful, seeing, like, what's happened to High Charity. Yeah, it's, it's really grotesquely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have, like, these kind of sacks on the wall that if you hit them, they explode and infector forms come
0: out. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, there's not a lot... There's not that many unique places within here. Well, I guess what, what I really like... Is some of the hidden weapon alcoves Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorites is So there's eventually Like a service tunnel, I Mm -hmm. guess you would say, that has, like, an opening you go through. Mm -hmm. But if you go through one that's not the one you're supposed to do, there's a flamethrower in there. Oh. Dueling. As I said, it's, like,
2: I've kind of learned that general path that just gets you to Cortana quickly. Mm -hmm. So that's one I've always taken. But I know, like, there is one unique area. It's, like, kind of this open area. It's, like, this reactor room where, like, there's these bridges. But once you pass through there you find yourself in these hallways and you make your way down through those hallways. Mm-hmm. And this is where we're getting like more and more weird, crazy messages from Cortana. She's saying, she's saying that she is a monument to all your sins. She's saying her, 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 like service number. But finally you make your way into this room and you kind of see this, like this holographic dome on a table and you go there and, Now you have finally, truly been reunited with Cortana. Yeah,
0: because you basically shatter that matrix that's over Mm -hmm. her.
2: And this is kind of a really heartwarming scene is where... Cortana's laying there on the table, and she's saying she's broken, but you found me. And something that really—it's very subtle—but humanizes Chief is he—he he gets down to her level. He—he mm-hmm. he gets down and puts his hands and head on the table to really kind of come down to her level and make her feel, you know, like she's not crushed. Like it's subtle, but it—it it stands out to me.
0: And he and he and he brings back like her own words. Mm-hmm. He's, He's like, like, "When I make a promise, yeah, when you make a promise, I follow through with it. Like I, yeah. I don't break a promise, basically." Mm-hmm. And one thing I really like with this that may even just be a little homage to kind of uh, the flood, the mm-hmm. book, we see in that that Keys keeps repeating his service number mm-hmm. and everything to try and stay out of being a, a grave mine. Yeah. And, and so, Cortana doing that same thing mm-hmm. is kind of like trying to stay away. Like, this is the last resort. Mm-hmm. I have Those are the things I have to remember. It's mm-hmm. really interesting.
2: Yeah. So then... Chief confirms with her that she still has the index from the first Halo and Combat Evolved, mm-hmm. and they make their way out. And so to destroy the city and all the flood on there, she tells him override these reactors and and destroy the city. So kind of you know, that's like the cliche thing to do in Halo: override the react, the engine reactors. Yeah, just
0: just override uh, reactors. I just shoot them or blow them up, and that overrides it.
2: Yeah, and so then you do that, and you get the hell out of there. And as you do, again, it's you're you're going back through the level you just came yeah. through, so you're seeing everything again. You see, uh, Cortana says, there's a friendly on my, my nav. Like She's like, who the hell is crazy enough to come down here? And I love you see Arbiter with a freaking flamethrower just going to town. Just to
0: up on top of this, like, fleshy hill. Mm-hmm. But
2: yeah, so then you guys make your way into a pelican. And as you try to escape, the, the Gravemind kind of tries to grab at you one last time, but you make your way out. And that's the end of Cortana.
0: Oh, and then one thing with Cortana, though, I want to make sure... Obviously, we get these in Mm -hmm. because this is really why the people tune into us is our hashtag detailed walkthrough. So if you're looking for the tilt skull, Mm -hmm. which is in Cortana. So you need to go to the circular room where Cortana says it was the coin's fault. I wanted to find a terminal there. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler for it. I wanted to make you strong, keep you safe. So what you'll do is you'll jump around a bunch of different walls and then you'll see some flood material. Mm -hmm. And then underneath this platform near the terminal... You do that, and then you walk up the extruded flood tentacle on there, and you get the skull.
2: Yeah. So so some trivia about this this mission is this mission was gutted and completely rebuilt in about 3 weeks only a few months before the game would launch. And I know I have my negative opinions about this, but this mission would go down as one of the worst missions in the franchise and a lot of Bungie developers even agreed with that. They said like this mission was rushed, we just had to get through it. This this level was designed to mirror aspects of High Charity in Halo 2, but during its redesign Part of the level was used in Floodgate, so it kind of all worked out.
0: And I can understand why people don't like this level. I mean, it, it's definitely understandable because, like we said, it is confusing. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's it's some jumping puzzles, like very minute jumping puzzles, but if you are mm-hmm. going for like, the tilt skull, it's obviously a couple, with which is fine. For the skulls, I'm fine with the jumping puzzles for those, mm-hmm. but there's a couple where it's like, if you miss a jump, you gotta go around again and like back up and jump yeah. across. And it's just, overall gameplay, you're like, yeah,
2: yeah, it's 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 washers repeat is an mm-hmm. understatement,
0: but I do love if you think of it the way of like how hectic and chaotic and like I don't know like pressured you feel mm-hmm. you're like I have to get through this like oh no there's like pure forms here and then you've got some like brute forms coming up and it's yeah. like it's, it's it is pretty neat. I do, I do it is a bad it's okay. It, the feeling is good the layout of the mission sucked. I agree. But what
2: can you do now let's move on to the final mission Halo. Light the ring, destroy the flood. So, a pelican with Chief Cortana and the Arbiter passes the shadow of intent, and Halfjaw insists that Arbiter get it, you know, gets the fuck out with him. But he says, you know, this is a fight we have to see through. Mm-hmm. So, Cortana confirms with Johnson that he will be landing the forward onto Dawn around the edge of the, the, the ring because they're going on to the new ring. Yeah. We're going to. Land the forward on the don there. That way we have a way to get out of there. So you land the pelican and you begin your final effort to activate the ring. Now you can find the mythic skull on the cave to the right. Hashtag detailed walkthrough.
0: Yeah. Well, and honestly, like <laughs> that one's it's pretty tough to get to because what you don't want to do is you don't want to go left. Don't know. Uh, common misconception, friends. Do not do
2: that. Go to the right. Yeah, Not straight, but to the right. Now, you, you head to the control room where you can activate this ring, and it's very reminiscent of Assault on the control room in Halo Combat Evolved. You see that giant tower that you have to make your way up to. But as you go, all these flood pods start coming in, and it's like randomly generated weapons with
0: these floods. So Some of them have a rocket launcher. Some of them have a, a gravity hammer. and it, it Randomly generated to a point. It depends on your difficulty mm. because otherwise it's the same weapons for each.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's like, unexpected that they're just holding whatever. They're like, cool, here's a gravity hammer. Here's a shotgun. Like, doesn't matter. You're kind of screwed there regardless, like, looking at it at the perspective of, like, a regular person, I guess. But you, you fight through all these flood and you start making your way up the tower.
0: Yeah, and the tower is is very reminiscent, and it's the same exact tower that you're kind of going through in mm-hmm. CE and two, mm-hmm. uh, that you kind of make your way, actually very reminiscent of CE, when you make your way, and you have to kind of like snake your way around, mm-hmm. so you have to go from like the right side, kind of under a uh, walkway to the left, and up and uh-huh. up, and you make it to the top, and that's where you come to a locked door where you need to get into. Yeah, and you meet up with Johnson there too. Yep, and Johnson is uh, not with you yet, Oh, no, 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 I lied. Yeah, he's actually up top with Spartan laser. Yep. And so he is actually firing down upon the flood, and it's kind of a wave defense. Mm-hmm, so you yep. have to make sure that you kill all the flood around there. And once that's done, Spark will come in and open the door because mm-hmm. the big thing is like we can't have flood in there. We can't yep. have flood into you know our next area. Mm-hmm. One cool thing you can do, though, if you want, if you're able to jump on the doorway and then jump on a pillar next to it, you can actually jump over the snowbank where Johnson is, and just hide behind him... There you go. ...and wait for him to do what he does. There you go. But
2: yeah, so once you wipe out all the flood there, you make your way... The door opens, you make your way into the control room. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, Johnson's talking to 343 Guilty Spark, you know, saying, like, hey, how's everything looking? He says, great. And so Johnson says, okay, let's light the ring. And he's like, well, you can't light it just yet. Like, it's going to be ready in a couple yeah, days. Yeah, it's not done. Yeah, it's like a premature firing is going to destroy the ring. And Johnson's like, "Who's who cares? So then we see Spark attack Johnson. He says, you know I have another construct, you know. I have another ring. I can't let you destroy it. So then he attacks the arbiter and Master Chief and fires at Johnson again. And this is where he says these kind of definitely first time I ever heard it. It gave me chills. You know, he says, "You are, you know, you are the the descendants of my makers. You know, you are forerunner, but this ring is mine." And his his eye turns red. Yeah, and now you have to battle him and basically. It's kind of a really cheesy boss battle. You just kind of run towards him and he pushes you back. You can actually
0: actually just stand there. Yeah. It's like, because basically he has has like a force field around him mm -hmm. so he can't get close. The only thing, like, and then he fires some laser at you. Just don't get hit. Yeah. And then whenever he does his like big powerful push, just don't Mm -hmm. be near an edge.
2: Yeah. And then Johnson shoots him with a Spartan laser. Mm -hmm. And he flies. And you take it from Johnson and you hit him like two or three times and he dies. So then at that point, Johnson's dying. Earlier, he took Cortana from Chief. You know, it's like, I'm not going to let her go, too. He already lost Miranda. But then he gives Cortana back to Chief, and it says, never let her go. Mm -hmm. And then his final request is, send me out with a bang. Yeah. So then you activate the ring, and you get the hell out of there. And the the control room collapses around you, and that's how we send off Johnson.
0: Mm -hmm. And fun fact with Johnson, before he kind of, like, dies when you're playing Mm -hmm. you can swap weapons with him first and Mm -hmm. then when he dies just like flings it out of his hand and just throws it Uh it's pretty great (laughs) Um, so yeah so you you make your way out uh, of there and you just have i believe you just have an assault rifle yeah when you exit and you make your way around and you eventually pick up a plasma rifle whether you like it or not and you kill a couple brutes out there And make your way towards where, or brute forms. Yeah, yeah, brute combat forms. Brute combat forms. And you make your way out to where you came in. Mm -hmm. Now, here's two things. One, you now have, since Guilty Spark, kind of set all the Sentinels against you. It's the same thing with, like, CE. You're fighting Mm -hmm. Flood and Sentinels. Yeah. But if you set up those auto turrets that were sitting there, they will also attack you. Oh, never thought about that. Yeah, so, so you have to make sure that either when you use them, you destroy them. Or you just don't use them at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you make your way up the snowbank, where I kind of said you could get the Johnson before, and you had the Spartan mm-hmm. laser. You make your way around there because you realize that, you know, as Johnson came here with the Ford Unto Dawn, mm-hmm. that it's uh, still here. And you yeah. shove the way off the, off the ring. And, and Johnson left his Warthog, Warthog there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then you get in the
2: Warthog, and you get in one of the most legendary runs that we will probably ever see in the franchise, and that's the the Halo Three trench run, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you start hearing the the music. And it's like, I think everyone has a fond memory of this because it's just a badass scene of you're driving through these areas that are unfinished yet. And the yeah. ring is collapsing around you. And I think da-
0: Dan Miller, when we talked to him, he said he had a huge hand in this and he had a lot of fun doing this one. Yeah. And he was saying that, you know, he, he kind of took this on and had people over mm-hmm. at his desk while he's doing this. And every time people would fail and it would, get, it would be too hard, he'd have to actually go in and custom code each piece that fell, Mm -hmm. each tower that went. And it's really interesting to see, like, really what went into this trench run to try and live up to that Halo CE first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you you go through, um, I
2: know that you can find the grunt, off on a ledge there the, the hidden grunt that was like in Halo CE mm-hmm. and he, uh, he makes fun of you for being kidnapped as a child soldier but then says hey if you save me I'll polish your helmet and then he says I have the fist of Rucked which, by the way, I think that's one of the only times we actually hear that in the game said. So I got, like, really excited. I was like, ooh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, once you make your way, you make your way out. It's kind of, it's a wash, rinse, repeat thing. You just go through these kind of tunnels, these ramps. Finally, after this badass run, you see the Ford onto Don in front of you. And you hit a ramp and you go inside the Ford onto Dawn, And we see an amazing cutscene afterwards where it's... The, the Warthog flips and you see the Arbiter and Chief fall out of it. And as they both get up to go finish this, they kind of give them give each other that nod. And the Arbiter makes his way towards the front and Chief puts Cortana in kind of this pedestal. But he almost, you know, as the Forward Don is fleeing its way out towards the portal, Chief almost falls out. He eventually saves himself and crawls his way back up. And we see kind of that really cool shot of him standing up looking oh, at her yeah. with the arc in the background and he finally sits down by the the podium and she says, you know if we don't make this and he says we'll make it mm-hmm. and then she says it's been an honor serving with you John and that's I think the only time in that bungee trilogy we hear him called John yeah so- which which I think is kind of a really heartwarming moment. so then the narrative changes and we see you know Lord Hood giving a, a speech at a memorial several months later. And it flashes back to show only part of the Forward Onto Dawn crashing into Earth's ocean.
0: Yeah, as he's kind of giving a speech about, mm-hmm. you know, all we've lost for this war. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's really cool because when you first initially see it, you're like, what's that chunk of like space yeah. debris? And you have these uh, Marines or, you know, engineer Marines, whatever you want to call them, go out and they cut a hole uh, in the ship and the Arbiter pops out. They're mm-hmm. all kind of surprised to see him. Yeah. But no chief. Yeah, no chief.
2: And so it's it's hood giving this this speech honoring the dead. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by the end of it, they give the 21 gun salute and uh, hood meets up with the arbiter and says, listen, I can't forgive you for what you did. But I can. But I thank you for standing by him till the end. Mm -hmm. And they shake hands. And he says, it's hard to believe that he's gone. And, And then the arbiter looks up and he he gives that kind of famous line. Were it so easy? Yeah. And at that point, then he makes his way. The arbiter makes his way into the ship and talks to Halfjaw.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so he makes his way over to his Covenant dropship. You, uh, you see, come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and gets on there and is talking to Halfjaw. And Halfjaw's, you know, saying, you know, I I really want to see what our home is like mm-hmm. now. Yeah, it's
2: he says everything's so different without being under the prophets. Mm-hmm. And so they make their way back home, and then you see that this kind of this memorial on the very it's like a
0: pelican wing I think so yeah Yeah. and you
2: see all these faces on these pictures these faces including Miranda and Johnson. Johnson and you see 117 scratched on the side yeah and then a message appears on the screen from Bungie you think this is the end of the game and the message says quote Thanks to the player for playing Halo 3 and thanks for being a part of the engine that drives us towards our ultimate goal of world domination. Thanks for giving Bungie a community that has kicked ass throughout the years and will continue to kick ass for many, many more. Love Bungie.
0: And and then so after this, screen goes to black and we're done.
2: Yeah, we have some credit you know, you think, okay, that's cool. We have yeah, some credits. You think that's it. And after the credits, we see the back of the dawn. Mm-hmm. The only the, the front made its way Into Earth's atmosphere through the portal, and Chief and Cortana remain in the back, and it's been split in half. Yeah, Cortana, you know, states like, "We did it! Holy shit, we did it! We won!"
0: Yeah, and and you know, Chief's kind of skirting about because he he turns on his his headlamps Mm -hmm. and it's kind of going about the ship and Mm -hmm. seeing. And you see basically where that soldering line almost was. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of just like letting stuff vent out, Mm -hmm. and you know, then Chief starts to go across the ship, and you know. He's like we're lost in space. It could, you know, it could take months or years. Mm-hmm. So Chief decides to find like, a cryo chamber, mm-hmm. which Get, is where we see. Yeah, cryo cryo tube. And he says, you know, Cortana
2: says, you know, she's going to miss him. Mm-hmm. And Chief says, "Wake me when you need me." And the franchise, or at least this trilogy, ends as it starts with mm-hmm. Chief in a cryo tube, and you know that's it. So let's talk about, you know, that's the end of the game, or yep. at least that's the end of the game from easy to heroic. So a little bit of a little bit of some trivia on this one. Uh, The map you drive on for the final Warthog run is the same map in the silent cartographer in Halo CE, which that's just so lazy, Bungie, reusing
0: (laughs) map design. It's so lazy. Come on, guys. Yeah, Uh you're only custom designing every different piece in the map. Mm -hmm. You know how it is.
2: Yeah, and that that grunt at the very end that you find, this was actually an idea from Joe Staten, Paul Bertone, and C.J. Cohen. Also, if you go all the way into that cave to the right at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. you can also find some structures that are very reminiscent of Halo Combat Evolved the the structures within assault on the control room and you'll also find uh that jason jones easter egg where he was uh he's in shorts where i think the eric said he had he was like mountain climbing or something Mm -hmm. that day so you can find that there jason jones actually he didn't have a huge hand in halo 3 he really just oversaw a lot of things but he did help work on the flood attached to the tiles that were flipping and falling Oh, so, cool. so that's just something Dan kind of let us know, and I think that was really, really cool.
0: Yeah, and so if you made your way through all this, and you're not a Jesse or Alex, and you actually did this on Legendary, mm-hmm. uh, you actually get the Legendary ending. Yep. And the Legendary ending shows the Forward Unto Dawn, so the chief portion of it, mm-hmm. slowly make its way towards a mysterious planet, and it starts to light up at the side of the ship. And then the screen fades to white.
1: hmm
2: And that's it. That's officially the end of Halo 3. Now some additional trivia I do want to throw in this before we wrap up this episode is that the final Easter egg was found in 2007 in this game. I know th- 2017. 2017, yes, yeah, sorry. 10 years <laughs> it later. Wasn't, it wasn't wasn't all in the same year. Yeah. Um I there I, and we talked about some Easter eggs and there are dozens of them. But the final one was found in 2017. During the loading screen, you must press down on both joysticks on December 25th. In the ring, the words, Happy Birthday, Lauren, will appear in the ring. This was a message from developer Adrian Perez, who put this in the loading screen for his wife. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was a good developer and had my hands in one of the most famous games of all time, so I could do something romantic. Exactly. But I can't. So, yeah, that is it. That is Part one. Part one. A first for us. I know we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about this about halfway through the episode or around the end, but you know, we figured we did so much work for this. We didn't want to really leave any stone unturned and we really wanted to deliver you guys everything we found out from research.
0: Yeah. And so what we're doing with this, this episode airs, you know, at the end of this week for us Mm -hmm. uh, on Friday, but next week.
2: Yeah, so instead of waiting for 2 weeks for part 2, we're just going to make make you wait 1 week and then, you know, since we'll have 2 weeks in between part 1, uh we'll also be releasing our next episode after part 2. So you'll have an episode 3 weeks in a row.
0: It's you guys are spoiled. Let me just yeah, say. Yeah, you
2: guys that. are spoiled right now. But no, this again, months and months of research going into this 3-hour episode just for a part one. Yeah. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. We had a lot of fun recording, researching. It was a blast.
0: Yeah, and and we do want to give some huge shout-outs for people who've been you know, integral into our research, into what mm-hmm. we've done. You know, we want to thank Dan Miller. Mm-hmm. We want to thank Eric Areo. And we want to thank a lot of you Discord users and Instagram users who mm-hmm. gave us some, some things that you wanted to see, mm-hmm. uh, some things that we may have not known. Yeah. And just in general, You know, you guys being excited to listen and hear us and and, Mm -hmm. and, and have some fun with us.
2: Yeah. And, you know, as always, we're on all social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are on YouTube as well. Give us a sub there. You can follow us on SoundCloud. And we're about we're on just about every podcast platform you can think of.
0: Yeah. And if for some reason we're not on your one that you uh, enjoy, that you listen Mm -hmm. to, let us
2: know. We'll try and get there for you. Yeah. There's been several times we've had people say, well, why aren't you on this platform? And within a few days, we're on that platform. Yeah. So all you have to do is tell us and we're more than happy to be on there because we want to be, you know, we want to have every outlet for you to be able to listen to us on. But yeah. So that's a wrap for this episode. Let us know what you think about it or if there's anything else you want to hear possibly in the second part. Join our Discord because if you really want to hear a certain thing, you can always get a hold of us mm-hmm. there. Uh, message us for Instagram on a link at any given time. Everyone is welcome. We also had our Halo 3 buffer game night Saturday. And that was a blast.
0: Yeah, Halo Three game night. It yeah, was, we had our, it we was had Halo Three game night. It was great. Like we played a lot of the game modes. Especially for our next episode, we're going to mm-hmm. touch a lot on multiplayer and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of want to keep all that not under wraps, but we want to we want to don't want to spoil a lot of the settings we have coming up for our next episode for mm-hmm. you. But yeah, th- thank you all uh, who come and play with us. Everyone is always welcome, mm-hmm. whether you are a sweaty competitive player or whether you're just picking the game up for the first time. Like mm-hmm. we just have some fun you you know we answer all your guys questions like and it's just been a great community to build with so mm-hmm. we're happy to have you yep and with that i am your host jesse reiners <laughs> and i'm your host alex kendall and thank you for tuning in to finish
2: the fight a halo podcast
1: halo it's finished no i think we're just getting started